500 years ago he washed ashore the sole survivor of a shipwreck and upon the skull of the man who killed his dad he said i'm mad i must eradicate piracy injustice and cruelty and all my sons will follow me so evil doers will believe that this man cannot die the phantom the ghost who walks the phantom enemies beware the phantom's always there but you won't find the phantom hey good day everyone and for those who came in late you're listening to expand the phantom podcast as mentioned on semi j's um radio show on abc melbourne this is episode 158 and it's a comics and news episode my name is Stephen east and i'm joined today by jermaine how are you going there jim yeah good mate uh you look like you're nice and rugged up and keeping warm yeah well i've i thought i'd try a, a different studio today get myself out of the car in the in the garage we've got a patio heater and i thought um, i might try and use it uh, awesome. Uh, no, it's, it's good to be here. It's um, nice and cold everywhere. So, no, it's good. It's good to be talking fandom on a Friday night. Absolutely. And Dan, how are you going there, mate? Yeah, very good, Stephen. Um, yeah, delighted to be here again, as Jim says, on a Friday night. It's actually the last day of term for uh, Queensland State Schools. And so there's just a general air of joy in the air up here. Um, so, yeah. Very happy to be on holidays at the moment and uh, looking forward to taking a well-earned break after a big semester, which I'm sure, you know, is, is the same for everybody. Um, you starting to relax down there in Victoria, are you, Steve? Yeah, it's, um, it was Victoria School's last day of term today and uh, it's been good. Hmm. <laughs> Dan, is, Dan are, you, are you growing a comb over? Uh, no, well, as, as I've stated before, I haven't, I haven't uh, cut my hair at all since uh, the end of March, um, so it's been an entire term, and uh, it's, it's combing itself over at the moment, Jim. <laughs> I've got nothing to do with it. The, main, the mane's coming along. You even get a little bit of a fringe there. We can see a little bit of, a, yeah. little bit of darkness there, Plus, yeah. creeping towards the nose a little bit, I guess. Once again, <laughs> once again, reason to be listening to this on the audio rather than going to the YouTube, I think. <laughs> Okay, and today we have a very special guest. It's every Phantom fan's favourite former high school gardener, Duncan Munro. How are you today, uh, Duncan? You're, you're quite the media butterfly today. <laughs> As you were, gentlemen. Yeah, I'm on a, I'm on a literal press junket. <laughs> Two speaking guests in one day. I don't know what to do with myself. Oh, crikey. Did you actually get to go in the studio this morning or did you do it from home like you're doing now? No, it's mobile. They've got a, a yep. app that they use. Ah, oh, very good. Now, well, it was great to listen to you uh, this morning, and I'll, sorry, I did put my nomination in for you to win the Malby, but um, unfortunately, uh, it was a, a, a jogger who cleans up rubbish. So, unfortunately, you're, you're beaten by the by the unknown jogger, or the, the phantom uh, jogger. Let's call him that. The um, Sam also nominated me. Apparently, that was read out on there. There was a Sam. <laughs> so I, I think there's a few culprits for that one. But a shout out to. Who, I'm sure they're listening on this podcast, so thank you. <laughs> ah, very good. Now, did you manage to get a nap in the middle of the day, uh, Duncan? <laughs> it was an <laughs> early, early start, and this is a late, late start. Isn't it? Yeah, no, I, I thought you might have been testing me with you delay in the starting time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I had to push that back a bit. The kids were uh, being kids. No problem. <laughs> um, now, we've kind of already slightly touched on it. Um, Dan and I have 
just finish off a, a, a term that seems to have gone for a year. How is everyone dealing with the COVID-19 um, lockdown or semi-lockdown or um, open borders, closed borders? What's happening over in WA there? Jim, is it business as usual over there yet? Uh, pretty much. Um, we're allowed to have footy fans uh, when, you know, when we're doing a lot better than uh, Melbourne and Victoria. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's almost... It's almost uh, business as normal. So, um, you know, obviously it's not unfortunately for everyone else and there's a lot of people out there still struggling. So um, all our thoughts and prayers are with them, of course. Absolutely. And up in Queensland, Dan, any, any news up there? Uh, yeah, similar story, as, as I'm sure um, most people are aware that Queensland's um, been very lucky, worked very hard and, um, you know, got ahead of the game and... and uh, yeah, um, as I say, going into school holidays, we're starting to open a couple of theme parks, that sort of stuff. So all looking, uh, all looking promising. Um, yeah, uh, personally, um, as as Jim said, I'm certainly thoughtful of uh, people who are doing it much tougher than us. We missed out on Supernova last weekend, but honestly, if that's the extent of our woes, then we've come through this um, global pandemic pretty easily. Yes. Well, and speaking about Supernova, the words come through that they're um, pushing it back to September. Um, mm-hmm. In Sydney, I believe it's 19th, 20th. Is that, is that am yes. I re- reading the news right there? Yep. And Perth about a week after, the 26th, 27th? Yep. What do you reckon the likelihood of that going ahead is? Um, well, I don't, know what it's, I don't know what it's like in Sydney, uh, but in Perth it probably will happen because um, by, I believe... Um, by middle of July, we're allowed to have sixty thousand people at the football. So, wow. um, so if you and that's July, so a couple of months after that, as long as there's no further, you know, um, you know, going backwards, um, I don't see why it probably wouldn't go ahead in um, for for Perth. But yeah, I'd, I wouldn't be able to answer it for Sydney. But I think. For Perth, if you're looking about going over, there's still we'll probably still have the hard uh, borders. So I expect um, maybe Supernova will probably be more of a, a Perth theme than probably even maybe Australia theme. So it'll be interesting. You reckon it'll still be hard borders in September? Uh, Mark McGowan's pretty headstrong. So um, is he the pres- uh, premier over there? Uh, I wish he was the, uh, the Prime Minister and we were a separate country, but um, yeah, he's the Premier over here. So um, yeah, so I don't know. I guess it's just watch your space. But I think Supernova, I like what Supernova are doing. They're trying to stay positive. They're trying to, um, you know, plan, which which would be a nightmare to do. So all, you know, all thumbs up for Supernova and what they're doing. It wouldn't be easy. Um you know, especially because that's probably footy finals time and um, spring carnival time and stuff like that as well. So there's a bit of juggling to be done and I think they're doing a good job. And so you're perfectly positioned there, Jim, to be the on-the-spot reporter for the one guest that Supernova has, which is the rest of the creator that's over there? <laughs> yeah, I'm not really sure. If it is hard borders, I'm not really sure uh, just how many guests there will be. But, um, yeah, um, I don't know. It'll be interesting. And um, what would be interesting is if, if they go ahead or if Sydney goes ahead, would there be a LFMBEC dinner? Um, what, do you, what do you reckon there, uh, Duncan? You've been, been to a number of these dinners, I'm, I'm sure. What do you think of the likelihood of, these, of this going ahead? Uh, well, I'm, I'm pretty sure the Tattersall's Club uh, wouldn't comply with the four-metre square 
All right. No, uh, I, I think it needs to be. Uh, it's up to people uh, what risks they take, I guess. But um, I also wouldn't want to put too much of an expectation on uh, the fans or, or pressure on them, uh, because there's so, there's still so much that's unknown about the, the the situation that we're facing, and we I think Australia's just been very fortunate. Yeah, mm. very lucky, uh, and. And I think we, as as much as as much turmoil as it, as it has caused, putting some of those restrictions in place, uh, I think rushing to to be too complacent with with it, it will be to our peril. And that's just yeah. in general. And I think mm-hmm. for the dinner, it um, it could have quite significant consequences for people that will nearly everyone has someone in their family that's got some sort of comorbidity. Yeah, especially when you yeah. think about, I don't want to sound rude, but we're probably, you know, in the 5% younger category of, um, of the attendees of the, of the dinner as well. So, um, you know, so there's that as well. So, yeah, there's always next year. I'd rather we miss a year and everyone stays safe. Do it properly again mm. next year. Yeah. So if we miss next year and there is no supernova um, going on, I was actually wasn't um, planning on heading to Supernova. I, I just didn't think I was going to be able to, to get there. But I'm sure you fellas were, were planning on going there, um, which means you might have had a little bit of the uh, folding stuff in your back pocket. Dan, have you been able to... Uh, has it been burning a hole in your pocket there, mate? And have you done anything with it? Yeah, not really. I've tried very hard not to think about it, to be honest, because, um, yeah, it, it's the same as every year. Most years I'm probably scrambling in the last couple of weeks to see if I can find the <laughs> coin that I need. Uh, so I'm not doing that or didn't have to do that. Um, I'm sure in the, I try not to look at the balance for, for good reasons and bad, mostly of the Phantom account. And uh, so at the, um, I probably, I probably bought a few more comics and a few more little things incidentally than I would have otherwise because, and, and not worried about it too much, but no, I haven't, I haven't gone and made a big purchase to, uh, to supplement my, my little June addiction. <laughs> Very good. I'm in the same boat. Um, which now leads me to the other the, with the two fellows with the big pockets. What about you guys? You're just keeping it there, storing it for uh, for next year, or have you been able to lash out on on an item you've been searching for? Um, well, I've I've got a couple of Australian artists to do some commissions for me, some sketch covers. So that was one of the things that I did want to do was to support a couple of uh, local artists. I've got one of those. Uh, I got a sketch cover from Alex Tripp. That we talked about uh, who did the first design. I've got another one coming up uh, by Grange, which uh, I believe he made mention of um, Facebook, along with some of the covers that he's doing. And then I brought a couple. I brought uh, a couple of other pieces, some original artwork, um, a, a Norwegian pin set as well. That's been um, I've been trying to find for about five years. So it's fair to say that the money has now gone. Uh, that and it was definitely burnt a hole in my pocket. It's um, it was it was good. I I enjoyed spending the money, and I will say that I don't want to sound rude or anything like that, but I think I'd rather buy what I managed to buy than stuff from you know um, you know what was lo- you know likely to happen come out at the free booth because that's probably still to come. So it's nice to be able to um you know, buy this other stuff. So, yeah. Ah, very good. 
What about yourself there, Duncan, being a big fan of, um, of um, original art? I know you've got some there in the background uh, behind you, I think. Um, yeah. Yep. Uh, I got... Um, uh, I, I, the main thing I got that was my supernova money was uh, Paul Mason had started his website, so I ordered some of the uh, products that were through there because I... Um, it was, it was just sport for choice. So I was, I was trying to rein myself in with some of the things that I got, um, but also testing to see uh, what the shipping was like because a lot of the stuff was coming from overseas. But very happy with uh, what I ended up with. The coffee mugs, great quality. There's um, the tote bags um, are of superior quality to a competing product available on another website, and uh, <laughs> the t-shirts are really comfortable. But um, I, I strongly suspect that um, I, I have a, a unfounded theory, I should say, that Wolfric Media may be behind some of the uh, supernova cancellations to try and steer. <laughs> towards yes, uh, yeah, and, we, and we're definitely going to have a, a look at Wolfric Media because they've had some exciting news this week, and we want to take people through them uh, through what's going on with them at some point tonight. Um, oh, before you do, um, you mentioned it was uh, Paul Mason. What, uh, what's his website there that um, you could get things off? Just uh, Jermaine is going to do some magic editing and it's going to appear <laughs> on the screen uh, on while YouTube. I, while I look. Uh, but uh, it's off his, on his Masoncomics.com.au. There you go. Masoncomics.com.au for all your, um, well, for another pathway to your phantom uh, fan merchandise. Now, quick question, Duncan. Did you shrink the shirts or did you on purpose buy them a size too small? <laughs> a lot of my fan <laughs> when I buy from overseas, they come too big. And if they're too big for me, that's a problem. But, uh, so, I, so I went um, extra large instead of extra, extra large. And uh, I think it fits me. I'm very happy. With it. <laughs> is that what you're wearing now that with the mask or is it a different one? Now, this is, uh, this was um, Scott, uh, Scott Boxley. Scott, Lo yes. Loxley. Loxley. Yeah, that's it. Well, hearing that uh, that the t-shirts are big, that that that's music to my ears. I might be able to buy one then, because I am a uh, an extra extra large gentleman. And depending on what shop I'm in, it might be an extra 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 large gentleman. So uh, <laughs> wearing the uh, the six layers and the duffel coat probably doesn't help you, mate. Well, I, I am. Hang on. For those of you who are watching on the video, I have I do have my happy family. There is a shirt we go. under all that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, dear listeners, if you've been able to uh, actually spend your Sydney supernova money, um, let us know on the socials if you've been able to pick up a bargain or been able to pick up a um, an item that you've been after and and you actually found yourself with a bit of money to to spend. Uh, let us know; it'd be um, great to hear what you were able to to pick mm. up. Yeah, I really liked um, Chris Chris Hills. Uh, he picked up some Russian dolls. Um, oh, I saw that today, actually. I'm, I'm glad he uh, accompanied the post with uh, what the actual Russian dolls were. The Babushka uh, dolls. Yeah, the Wushka dolls. And um, rather than, <laughs> if he said that he just picked up some Russian dolls, it might have uh, given a few people the wrong impression. <laughs> uh, poor fella. Um, and just recently, uh, we had a, well, we've actually had a couple of catch-ups. We've had a special one for patrons, and then we had another one for any Phantom fans. That uh, I think that was was that just last week. Yes, 
Mm. Yeah. Oh, this term seems yeah. to have gone for a year, so it could have been last month for all as I know. So, <laughs> yes. um, well, we seemed to, we enjoyed it. I know I did uh, for the time that I was with it. Um, so if you're keen on having another catch-up, let us know and um, we'll see what we can, see if we can arrange another Zoom catch-up. And again, mm. yeah, hit us up on, on our social media. And here's a nice segue. So if, you, if you're listening to us, you've just stumbled across us on, um, on your local streaming service, well, or you've um, come across to us because you heard Sammy J give us a bit of a plug on um, ABC Melbourne Breakfast this morning or on, on Friday the 20, what are we, 6th? Um, yep, so you can hit us up on Facebook. We've got uh, chroniclechamber.com. We're also the Phantom Collector group, um, so you can find us there. On Twitter at chronicle underscore tweet, Instagram at chronicle chamber, YouTube chronicle chamber. Um, I think that's it. You can, uh, you can email us as well, chroniclechamber at gmail.com, I believe. Did I miss any? It's been no. a while since we've done the socials. Been busy all the term. Now, we've got a, um, is this a, a new publication? I'm, I'm, I'm unsure on the Bus Day, Bus Day Frudend, number 50. Yeah. Okay, so um, that's this one here. So if you're on YouTube, you can see the magazine that I'm holding up. Uh, it is a cracking magazine. Uh, we've got a review and all the information on our website and also on YouTube. So basically, if you haven't gone on the website, I'll give it to you briefly. Um, the guy who we are doing an interview with at the moment, so that'll be on the website very soon. Uh, the guy who produces these magazines, he's a, a Basti, which is the German publisher. He's a big fan of their stuff. And so it's like a tribute magazine and there's interviews and bits and pieces from the whole publishing range. So this one focuses. Just is he in Germany too, Jim? Uh, I'll be able to tell you that cause I've got a letter from him. Um, yeah, he is. Yes, yeah, he's from um, Germany as well. So, um, is, so is this it, is, is it in? Is it printed in red ink? Uh, no, it's not. This is printed in colour and black and white. So there's black and white. I'll just again, you can have a look at it, um, you know, on the YouTube video as well. So, but what's so special about this one is that recently um, there's been some people that have found some unpublished phantom stories that were originally intended to be published by the German publisher back in 83. And then when it cancelled, the stories have just been lost. And they've almost 20 years, and they've just been found. Now, what's even more exciting, and this is an exclusive, this has not been published you've, anywhere. Including, you've heard it here first, folks. That's it, including by them themselves, uh, that they are looking, there's likely 300 to 350s pay of odd pages of lost phantom stories and they are looking at publishing them. So that's pretty exciting news. So, um, yeah, so you can, if you, if you're a completist, this is a magazine worth getting. If you like artwork and you like seeing artwork from around the world and, you know, and stuff like that, it is worth getting. Um, is it, is it printed in English or is it in German? Uh, printed in German. So unless you can read German or you like looking at pictures, um, but you know, most completists would find this very interesting. I know quite a few and uh, you can get it at wick. What is it? Wick dash comics.de. And again, all that information is on our website as well, but um, really enjoyed this magazine. I uh, got it the other day and um, I flicked through it a few times. Very good. Um, now we mentioned, 
in passing a moment ago about Wolfric Media. They've been um, very uh, busy on, on the socials lately. Um, Dan, have you got something to, to share with us about that, about Wolfric? Yeah, I, th- I thought I would um, literally do some sharing here, Stephen, because um, Wolfric Media has come out with some big news in the last few days that they've signed the contract with King and are now uh, with King Features and are now um, actually ready to... Um, where are they? They're, they're ready to... They're about a month away from fulfilling their, their orders for the, the good markerings and that sort of thing. Oh. So um, I just thought what we might do for, for us to have a discussion about um, is to just have a quick look at the um, catalogue that uh, Wolfric have designed. And Duncan um, made, a, made a fairly snide remark earlier about the potential cost of these, uh, these jewellery items. And uh, it, it must be said that they're, they're not cheap. But as you can see, if we uh, look through the, the catalogue, there's a big range of stuff that they've got there and um, some really beautiful looking things. What are, you, what are your thoughts on the put, the... put the cost aside. Put the cost aside for a moment. What are your thoughts on the, what the quality of these things look like? Um, it looks good from in the picture now that I've just maximised it so I can see it. Um, yeah, judging by the picture, I think um, it looks good. I haven't looked at the... Um, now that I'm looking at the price uh, column, they'd want to be good. <laughs> <laughs> the, the ones that I like the best would be the... Um, those dog tag ones, the Jungle Patrol dog tags. They're ones that I actually like, I like the look of. And then if you just scroll up, I think that, yeah, they're the Jungle Patrol ones. And then I think there was a ladies design one. It was a more of a simple design. Um, For um, the, the skull or the... So I'd, there's a ladies skull ring. Is that what you're talking yeah, about? Yeah, they're probably the rings that I like the best, not that one. Um, I think it was up a little bit, might have been the good, yeah. So, like this, yeah, they're, they're kind of the ones that I personally actually uh, appeal to me, and maybe it's because they're yeah. more of a minimalist design. Um, mm-hmm. but, um, yeah, if I was to get one, it will probably be those because I, I guess also they look more realistic as the Phantoms, yeah. ring as well. And some of the designs are very, um, intricate, and uh, obviously. The Jungle Patrol, uh, sorry, there is a good mark Jungle Patrol ring um, that we can see there that's uh, very intricate um, and it's got the, the um, writing around the edge of it and all the rest of it. What about you, Duncan? What are your thoughts? I think they're be- they look beautiful. The designs are uh, um, incredible. Um, and it, the, the cost is just purely, I would say, is purely the, mostly the materials. So if you're looking at what they're they're made of and they they did mention in their communication that they'd adjusted the price because the price of the materials had changed as well yeah right originally we're talking about but um i think they've done an amazing job to to design classy looking what i think is classic looking items Mm -hmm. they would be amazing to have in your collection so absolutely absolutely to wear too and actually, talking about price, and as you're scrolling there, Dan, for anyone who's watching the video, we can see that there's two prices. Um, there's a more expensive price and a cheaper price. I'm assuming the cheaper price is a limited uh, discount going on at the moment, limited time. Yeah, discount. that's right. That's right. So um, that's for the pre-orders. And um, I asked today um, to Kelby, who manages the company, um, I asked today about uh, when that would close. And uh, they're still waiting. So the good mark designs that we're looking at here are good to go. Um, and they're the ones that have been ticked off. There was an issue with the skull mark design, 
Uh, he didn't say what that was, but that was a little bit of a hold-up. Um, that still had to come back from King Peaches. Um, I'm not sure why, because I'm like you, Duncan. I really like the designs of these. Um, the, so, but anyway, um, once once that gets ticked off, then the uh, the pre-orders will close and um, the, and the more expensive price. And and you're absolutely right, Duncan. It's got to do with the materials that they're made of, and it's all silver, sterling silver, nine carat gold, and it's the weight of the material that is at least the cost. Personally, I really like the pendants the, and the dog tags. You mentioned those, Jermaine. I like those. Maybe the the price points that one of the cheaper ones, so maybe that's why. But uh, certainly the the good mark pendants look really um, really nice as well, and even the uh, the phantom title. So uh, anyway, but um, so looking uh, looking up there, if you would like to get in touch with um, with Kelby and, and receive one of these catalogs, then um, what you can do is uh, find him on uh, Facebook at Wolfric Media. Look for, do a search there: W U L F R I C Wolfric Media. And um, and he's quite happy to, to email you a, a, um, a catalog like that one. Mm. Who's getting? Is anyone getting any? I'll have to save up. That's for sure. I ordered stuff and then forgot what I ordered because it was ages ago. You ordered one of everything, didn't you? No, no, I, I was <laughs> tricky, but I, I did like the early designs that they had bought out. So I, um, yeah. I was trying to support the project. Yeah, I, I did read someone say that uh, they'd done the maths, and if you wanted to be a completist and get everything, it was over twenty-two thousand dollars. So uh, that's a that's a few supernova trips, and it's uh, certainly <laughs> going to send anyone who's really, really um, enamoured with rings and calls themselves the Ring Man and, and collects um, <laughs> uh, licensed products, uh, going to send them absolutely broke. So uh, anyway, tip of the hat. Hello, Gary, if you're listening. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I like the idea of the dog tags and the dog tags too. You can uh, let them know your, your name and your birth date, and they get engraved with that too. So it's very personalised as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that, that's interesting. And the the could be a good gift, but again, pricing. You picking up a couple germ? Uh yeah, probably not. <laughs> Uh, one thing that I have picked up is the um, well that I pledged on um, Kickstarter is Macau's car game, and as um, we all know, has been pledged. And we received an email oh, recently. Let's say that it could have been this week, could have been last week, could have been two years in the future. At the moment, the way time we're is. certainly in June, <laughs> yeah, just I think. Um, we got an email from a company called GameFound. Um, I've been a bit busy and haven't actually clicked on the email, but. Um, would either of you, any of you three, like to uh, tell us what this, what is this game found for any uh, fan who may have got an email from them wondering what the heck's going on? Uh, I think they're the f- fulfilment uh, people. So a lot of the Kickstarter campaigns will, instead of the artist or creator having to sit there packaging up boxes and putting prints in and stuff, will will sort out the mail merge of the, you know, a couple of thousand emails or whatever, all the subscribers. So it's, I think it's it's one of several for Kickstarter and Indiegogo. Then they they just fulfil yep. the order. Yeah. So they're the ones when your package has got two devil cards and the phantom card is bent and whatever. You go back to them, not Mikhail. Yeah. Ah, very good. So um, if you got an email from GameFound and you thought it was spam, please don't think it was spam. Get it out of your bin and check it out. Because yep. it's uh, very important, especially if you want a um, if you want Macau's card game. Mm. Um, Talking about Macau's card game and uh, the bin, 
There was a. Uh, You'll be delighted to hear that. <laughs> there was a an accident which I was able to uh, rectify. My um my desk bin uh, was sitting beside my desk as it should. The Chronicle Chamber ca- uh, cards that can be used for uh, the card game were sitting in my collection, which may have just been. Uh, right on top of where the bin was sitting and at some stage was knocked. And as I was emptying the bin one day, I thought, why the, why can I see a good mark facing up at me out of my bin? That shouldn't be there. And uh, so I had to rescue a couple of cards that had fallen in the bin. But uh, thank God it was me um, emptying the bin. Yeah. Um, otherwise, they would have been lost, I can tell you. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't have been happy. <laughs> Ah, uh, dear. 2020 soft cover album. What's this? This is Okay, new. so um, so every year for the Gothenburg Fair out in Sweden, which usually happens in October, I believe it is, uh, they, Egmont, for the last five, seven years, have released a, a soft cover album. Um, so they, and they generally release the cover uh, a couple of months previous to kind of get people interested. Last year they had the Phantom Noir, and then the year before that they had the uh, the Pirates um, theme, all done by Luca Oberta. So that uh, cover has been released again. It's on our website. Uh, it's a nice tribute image of uh, the first Phantom Man uh, cover. So number one. Oh, I know what you're talking about now. I remember. So it's basically it. the Phantom punching someone. Um, <laughs> it's it's beautifully done. Uh, Luca Oberta is an amazing artist. Um, I love the tribute. It's actually, ironically, it's actually the second time that cover's been uh, tributed. Uh, the first time was by Sel Valudo back in issue 1500. So, um, yeah, big shout out. If, you, uh, if you're a completist and you're looking for that, um, you know, you can usually get um, Ivan Peterson usually sells them uh, from his web store or you can get them online or you just... One of the best bet is just hook up with a, or maybe don't hook up, but um, uh, befriend a, um, a Swedish fan and do a bit of a swap or something like that. That might, you know, and then you can get yourself a, a cool comic and then, you know, they can get some cool comics as well. So um, it's, it's a very nice cover. Very good. Keeping the, um, the international flavour going, Regal Publishers, I believe they're the Indian publishers, aren't they? Yes. Um, they're publishing in English, likely in July or August. Um, Jermaine, are you over this one? Uh, yes. So Regal Publishers, they've been doing um, Indian in their Malayahan language, I believe. I've probably butchered that like everything else. Um, but yeah, so the first issue will be released likely July, August. It is kind of pending the COVID situation in India. Um, I believe that is going okay. Um, so, um, yeah, so, but it's, it's huge news. This could be the first time since mid 2000. So first time in about 15 years, there's been English Phantom comics published in India and, you know, for the Phantom to survive and to become, to, you know, to reach a hundred years plus, we need the Phantom to be published and read in India. Uh, it's not it's not being published at the moment. Uh, they've been doing it in their local Malayahem language. Uh, 
Yeah. Well, this is in English. Not, but this is in English now. So, yeah, so, so you're still so you're still being published, but now it's being published in English. Yeah. Over in India. Very yeah. good. And it's big news. It's exciting news because there's a lot of Indian fans from the Indrajal comics or the Diamond comics and stuff like that that are just, you know, ready to to eat their comics, to read them, devour them, and you know, get stuck into them. So it's exciting news. And um, yeah, and you'd be getting a subscription, wouldn't you, Jim? Uh, yeah, already sorted. Um, oh. <laughs> with that the Malayan, yeah, now with the Malayan ones, I get about four or five uh, per issue and, and and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, so it'll probably be very similar as these ones. Um, what about uh, Dan? We got it. Oh no, I won't be getting them. But uh, it was um, really uh, we got a taste for the the appetite. If you if you want to continue the metaphor germ of uh, Indian fans last weekend when we had the uh, Chronicle Chamber catch up and we had a few Indian fans join us as well and very passionate, um, you know, very passionate guys. Yeah, and, we had um, four of them. Yeah, so it was yeah. So um, that was, I thought, a really good representation. And, uh, it, it, you know, as I think Duncan said before about, might have been before the podcast recorded, about how we had fans from all over the world. It was really good to see a good representation um, from the subcontinent. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Absolutely. Do you collect uh, the foreign language comics, Duncan? Uh, I usually only get a sample of some. And so uh, I've, I've got most of the ones I wanted except for some of the really hard-to-find ones. And so then I just look for ones I like the covers of or yeah. a story I particularly wanted to see or something. Mm. Very good. So we've gone, gone from a bit of good news. We've got a bit of bad news now for Phantom Ed. Um, there's a sneaky rumour. What's happening yeah, there? Yeah, so we did an article which got a little bit of press, actually, about some bad news with Phantom Ed. So back in 2019 at the start of the year, they released uh, two soft cover albums that... Uh, which was a kind of like a replacement of the regular magazine being cancelled. Um, so they said they released two, and they might be looking at a Christmas one of last year. That didn't happen. And then they said that they're likely to happen in 2020. Obviously, we're halfway through the year, we've, or over halfway through the year now. We've got nothing. Um, so it was just a bit of a like an article about what's going on, talking a bit about the, the current climate. Um, so that got a little, that got a few of the Phantom Met fans, uh, rolled up a little bit angry, not at us, but you know, like, <laughs> Hey, where is our just, comic? And just a reminder, the Phantom Met is Norway, isn't it? Yes. That's yes. Very good. Um, so that's true. So since we've been, since we wrote that article and since it's got a little bit of traction over in, uh, Norway, I've heard a couple of little sneaky rumors that it's wet the appetite of a few of the people involved and there may be something for Christmas or more likely 2021. So I guess the good news is, is that, you know, they, they may get, uh, they may get something besides their regular, um, reprint issues. So basically they get reprint issues, which are similar as our collector's replica, uh, where it's just photocopies of comics stapled together, basically. Um, which is a little bit sad that getting reprints of stories, so i.e. what we get in our free collectors of replica issues, that's all Norway fans are getting at the moment. Um, you're not likely to win new fans printing those. So um, hopefully they can have something new and then hopefully you can um, 
get some new Phantom fans, which I think everyone wants. Absolutely. Fingers crossed for Norway. And uh, to news- be fair, it's a business model that worked for Fru for about the first 30 years. So, <laughs> Yeah, but now we're in 2020. Yeah. True. <laughs> <laughs> they, those Phantom productions were beautiful books, though. though they, they were really put together well. Is that are they the two? The one with yeah, your story? And it was interesting to... Well, I've got a vested interest in seeing them continue because otherwise we've left the Norwegians hanging. Uh, <laughs> they only get part one. But um, <laughs> uh, I, I think because that the issue, uh, uh, the story with Jeff and I, mine was in, uh, also had the Tony DePaul uh, and Jeff Weigel and Tony DePaul and Mike Manley story. So it was good that they get the opportunity mm. to published in it and they in color they look fantastic yeah yeah is your story in color there no same that tone that jeff did um uh fit quite well with the look of the book i think but mm. this they look really good on the shelf yeah no it's they they were the books were very nice i've only got the first one so far haven't uh, managed to get a copy of the second one yet but um the first one you know, they had some nice editorial pieces in there. And um, uh, so, yeah, they were very well done. Unfortunately, they just didn't, I guess, they didn't sell as much as what they were hoping. And um, so, you know, hopefully if we can keep raising the issue and talking about it and same as our Norwegian brothers and stuff like that, hopefully they'll see some more. Absolutely. We hope for the best. Um, now, a moment ago, we were just talking about Macau's card game on Kickstarter and we were talking about Game Phone, uh, ga- uh, Game Found, sorry. Um, news just to hand has just been sent through um, on our messenger that uh, we'll, we asked Macau uh, when does the Game Found option close. So on Game Found, there's actually an option to, um, to up, I guess, upgrade your, your pledge, your, your order to, to get more games. Um, and the word from Macau is that they haven't set a date yet. They're going to run it for as long as they can. So um, if you're keen on getting a, a, a second or third or even fifth game um, from Mikhail, or if you want to um, maybe get a... I think all the signed copies are probably gone now, I'm assuming. Yeah. Um, but if you want to get a deluxe copy and, and then maybe just a normal copy, um, hit on to GameFound and, and, and update your pledge and, and support this car game and, and buy a couple for your friends. Um, get them in get them in on it as well. Um, and that you've brought it back up, Steve, just before yeah. you go on. One thing I did like on GameFound is, um, and I actually haven't completed my transaction yet, which was part of the reason why I uh, sent Mikel the message, but because um, I want to make sure I haven't missed out. But one of the things you can do is you can buy um, extra games, but you can also buy separately just the, uh, the, throne, the cardboard throne card holder and mm-hmm. the token bag. So um, I'm probably going to get an extra few of those on top of um, the games because they're at, at $8, I think, Australian each. It's um, uh, certainly something to, to get a couple of extra ones for. You never know. They may fit um, the uh, what are the figurines coming out. Um, refresh my memory there, oh, German. You fight. articulated boss fight. fight. So maybe, uh, maybe a boss fight figure will fit on the, uh, the cardboard throne there while, while <laughs> we're waiting for boss fight to bring the, the Skull Cave uh, furniture out. Wouldn't that be awesome? That would yeah. just be a nice little combination. Okay. Um, P3, we have a P3 update. Dan, I think this is uh, your baby t- uh, this week. What have you got for us? 
Yeah, so we um, updated the preservation project again today and, and um, people will know that this is the uh, digital archive we've got of um, phantom historical goodies and um, we archive it for to preserve it for history, hence the name, Phantom Preservation Project, and uh, share it with our Patreons. And so this is, as always, is a, uh, a shout out and a thank you to our Patreons. Um, we updated the, uh, the catalogue again today and I'll just share the, the July... Well, we're a couple of days away from July, so I've called it July update. And um, you can see there as we there's a there's a lot there, and, and I'm just sharing the index on the screen. If you're watching on YouTube, and for the benefit of the guys, um, there's a fair bit there that we'll scroll through. New this month, though, we've got um, the Defenders of the Earth stuff that Rick Hoberg talked about a couple of podcasts ago. Um, so if you're a keen um, keen fan of Defenders of the Earth, the animated TV series, you can see some of the initial designs and that sort of thing. We've managed to uh, get the radio interview that you've mentioned a couple of times, um, Stephen. Um, so the, the interview from this morning, Duncan, with yourself and Sammy J, that's been archived for all time now, saved and preserved for eternity. You must feel um, privileged. I am honoured. Thank you for including me <laughs> in the esteemed company. It's a very quick <laughs> turnaround. Less than 24 hours. <laughs> Less than, yeah. oh, just over 12, though. Uh, we've also added a song from Jason Paulos, better known for his artwork, but also uh, penned and, and wrote a Phantom song. Uh, so you can jump on and listen to that. A whole bunch of newspaper files from around the world, including our first one from England we've added today. Uh, fan clubs, um, we found up a range of extra official fan club um, paraphernalia. So there's advertisements there, there's letters there if you're keen on uh, remembering the official Phantom Club. You'll find those there. Some advertisements from Scandinavia as well. So um, just some some random things to look at to see how the Phantom is used in advertising overseas. Uh, but up, 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 well, so is this all that's just been added for, the, for this month or this stuff yes. is already there? So this is just what's yeah, the this month. Well, it's essentially two months, I suppose. It's about six weeks since the last update. Um, okay, so just the red stuff. Oh, just the red stuff. Not all, this, not all the stuff in black, though. Oh, no, no, no. If you're, if you're watching say, this on incredible. YouTube... If you're watching this on YouTube, this is the extent of the uh, um, the, the the whole kit and caboodle of the P3. Um, the other, the last couple of things we added are a few videos of um, Chris Smith's collection that were filmed in the 1990s as he had it set up in. Oh, which city was that? I was going to say Baltimore, but I feel like that's wrong now. No, Baltimore's Pete. California. Um, yeah, California. Which is not a city. Obviously, <laughs> but uh, it, it gives me a, a, a big target to hit. He's so in, he's um, yeah, and he's in uh, Las, Las Vegas, I believe, at the moment. Right. So there you go. I'm not sure if that's um, seven or eight pages or whatever it is their total, but um, that's the extent of the P3. So thanks very much to our patrons. Without your support, um, and Duncan, we're happy enough and thankful enough to count you as one of those. So thank you personally. Um, and also to everybody else who's supported us. We have had a few more people sign on in the last few weeks, and um, we really appreciate that. I, uh, Steve, have you got the list of names there in front of you? Yeah, I've got the list of names here. So welcome on board Gary Stores, Jeremy Klein, Kyle Miller, and Craig, surname unknown. Um, thank you for, um, for your support, for your patronage. Yep. Yeah, and if you, you if you'd uh, like to support Chronicle Chamber and, and what we do and, and certainly um, preserving fandom history and all the rest of the stuff that we do, um, just go to our website chroniclechamber.com. The Patreon link is at the top of the page there, or you can of course go to Patreon and search for Chronicle Chamber. You'll find us that way too. But uh, yeah. yeah, so a small thanks, and um, I think we've got a another Patreon competition coming up at the end of winter, which is only about a month away now. So. Um, 
keep a, keep an eye out for that one. As one of your patrons, it is a uh, you will get lost looking through the stuff that you've put <laughs> on there. It is fascinating to go through, and if anyone's on the fence uh, about whether they should subscribe, it is well worth the price of admission. Thank you. Thank you. That's awesome. Good yeah, on. yeah. No, I really appreciate it. It's, um, yeah, we've still got a, we've probably got about another fifty odd articles and newspaper stuff to scan and stuff like that as well. So um, it's it's good fun. I'm enjoying going through them and reading them and, and stuff like that as well. Um, one of the things that I really like, I'm not sure if it's up there at the moment, is there's some stuff on the Year of the Phantom uh, expedition from 1991, I believe. So, um, yeah, that that's, was rather interesting. And then I've got an article from Max Walker who has a go at some of the pieces as well. So, um yeah, so we might even release that one as an article for the general public as well because it's quite nice. Very good. There's um, one of the next updates too will be... Oh, go on, Duncan. Sorry. Sorry, was that Year of the Phantom? Was that the show in Melbourne? In, uh, uh, no, that was in New South Wales. Um, it was coincided with the Frews, I think it was their 91 when their annual was released okay. uh, around then. So a, lot of, a few people went, a few of the oldies. Um, so us young whippersnappers um, would have probably missed out on that. Okay. Um, thank you for, for all those updates on, on the news. Um, there's no other stories that have just come to hand before we get into reviewing our comics? Nope. Nope. And I don't think you get much higher praise than, than Mr. Duncan Munro mm. saying that you should join the Patreon. So if Duncan, it's an old jungle saying, if Duncan says it's fantastic, you should join as well. That's it. Um, I now, do, just be, just yep. before we accept that endorsement, I probably do have one important question for you, Duncan, just to really um, solidify and, and emphasize your phantom credentials uh, as a ghost who walks officiando. Um, what year did the Phantom <laughs> first appear in the news group? <laughs> <laughs> it, it was very definitely sometime between 1936 and 1948. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And uh, get, jump onto the P3 and listen to the uh, radio interview from this morning if you want to know the story. About that. Yes, when, when, the, when the Phantom <laughs> expert gets, uh, gets schooled by the, by the interviewer, <laughs> it makes for a uh, humorous listening. <laughs> I was having a chuckle when I was listening to that this morning. <laughs> okay. Um, now, it's been mentioned a couple of times already this podcast. Mikhail Leek, he's our Phantom and correspondent, and we're going to cross over to Phantom and to, sorry, not, not going to cross over to Phantom, we're going to cross over to Mikhail now. Okay, Mikhail, take it away. Welcome back for another Phantom Woman review by me, Mikhail Leek. Today we're going to talk about these three issues, uh, 12, 13 and 14, 15 of uh, 2020. Uh, start off with issue 12 with this beautiful cover by Luca Arbata. I think it's really great. Uh, it, this issue features the story Revenge of the Drummer. It's a 1983 Team Fantoma story that uh, is written by Norma Walker and art by Knut Vestad. And it's a continuation of the Drummer of Tim Penny story. Uh, I reread these stories and I really enjoyed them. The, the backstory in the Drummer story is cool and with the telling of how he rose again, it's, it's really nice. 
And then in the end, there's another Barry Folk story in black and white, the hostages. Not much to say there. I wish it was in color and a better version, but hey. Then we have the next issue, another cover by Luke Arbati. Not as great as the last one. It's one of his worst covers, I would say, but I, I think he did the Phantom quite good, well. But I'm not sure if it's the colors or the composition, it makes me not enjoy it as much as most of his others uh, covers. Uh, the story it features is Satan's Horn by Don Avnell and Carlos Cruz. So the musical theme from the last issue continues, but instead of drums, it's this horn that you could make noises from uh, in the story. Guran and Phantom is seeing a ghost of an earlier Phantom that is supposed to be the 13th Phantom uh, and he apparently took care of some evil men during his watch and the descendants of that man is now in search for the artifact. Uh, I really love this story but the ghost parts makes me enjoy it less. I think they didn't have to use that. And then in the second half, there's another Balk, uh, Barry Falk story and uh, the Embassy Siege. Yeah, don't same comment as I've had for most of these. It's too bad it's in black and white and not the best version of it. But then it's a nice surprise. Yay! A one page of newly created content by Alan Sonne. Hmm, isn't that Mikael Sol? Yeah, uh, it's a one pager. Fun to see something new. I enjoyed it. So that was great. Then we're getting to the last issue with a Solstrom cover, and it looks great. Look at the details. I mean, especially on the, the Queen there, it looks almost photorealistic. Uh, I, I really enjoy it. And in the editorial notes here, uh, Mikael Sol talks about this old map that was used for the old board game and was also given out as a poster. And that there was a new map created for the app that was used to read uh, the Phantom Online earlier, but now they have changed uh, the, what's it called, the distributor. But he was talking about that he really would like to see one of these maps as a poster. And I agree, that would be great. And I think if you also think so, you should let him know on Facebook or something. So, back to this story. The main story is the conclusion of the Secret Theater arc, the third chapter. It's called... Uh, the Secret Theater Part 3, The Final Act, is my what I would have at least uh, translated it to. And, or The Final Show, maybe. Yep. Written by Romerti and drawn by Leppinen. And it's a great conclusion story-wise. I think it's... Uh, I, I was on the fence on the first two parts, but I think they, they really nailed it here. But... If there's something I would have changed, like the the climax is a bit short 
they could have given it a bit more of a fight, uh, a bit more action sequence on, on the final fight. Uh, but maybe they just wanted everything in and they had to put a, pull some panel somewhere. So it's a, it's a bit of, you get a bit sad, it's too quick of a conclusion after this long build-up. Yeah, and after that there's this uh, Thorgal story. Thorgal is, I think it's one of my favorite, at least, uh, side stories in the Phantomen. Uh, and after that there is, ta-da, another Falk Barry black and white story. Uh, I'm not sure even what it's called in English. Yeah, so much did I care. And I want to raise a point that, I mean, this year, all these uh, colorings of the old Team Fantome story, I think they have been so good. I really enjoyed the, they have been taken care of and it's a really good coloring of the stories yeah that's all for me thank you okay thank you very much mikhail yeah thank you um always a pleasure listening to your reviews now back closer to home uh with through publications there are only three issues but all have multiple stories now the first one we're going to review well um, there's a reason why, not just because he's a good bloke and he was on Sammy J's breakfast um, uh, show this morning, but Duncan has his second um, story published by Fru, um, entitled How to Account. Now, this is a sequel to um, his first story, uh, Hero Complex, and um, Duncan, how does it feel to be a, a twice-published phantom author? Uh, phantom fan made good. It's absolutely ridiculous, and uh, and I am very appreciative of the support from the Fruit Crew and uh, the the support and um, patience of the fans for uh, for giving me a chance to to share that story. And I am very appreciative of uh, Jeff Weigel's professionalism and input. Absolutely. If you're going to get an artist to a uh to to illustrate your story you can't get much higher than the people who are doing it in the sunday strip uh, in the sunday or the daily strip so um that that's a fantastic little i, I don't know if it's in your hands or not but it's a, i'm going to say it's a feather in your cap anyway um to get to get jeff on board um mm. now uh we didn't talk did we did we actually interview when your first story came out uh, i think we spoke with sammy just before it had been announced yeah um, so what I'd like to ask is what can you tell us about the process of, um, of getting your stories published? Uh, about my process of writing or about how the story got published? Well, let's start off with you. Let's go with your writing process first. Do you, have you come up with something, you know, you, where did your ideas germinate from and, um, do you write in prose or do you write it like, like a script? How, how do you go about it? I'm always interested to, to hear how, how writers go about their, um, their craft. Uh, I'd, I'd been writing for a long time for, for myself for personal reasons, like just as a to exercise my brain and um, and with the Phantom I'd written some uh, that will, will never see the light of day uh, <laughs> scripts and, and story ideas based off things that inspired me about the Phantom. And uh, I've, some of my practice scripts are based on the trade, the old trading card series 
um, I had a pile of spare cards and if I wanted to practice writing and writing about the fandom, I'd pick one of the cards and make a story off the card. What a brilliant idea. And just because the best advice I got about writing, because it's always been a a passion of mine, was uh, from a best-selling author who said, uh, if you write one page a day, um, at the end of the year, you'll have a book. And so the the basic thing was, even if you don't feel like writing, just write something. Mm. And if it's just, you know, starting to do a dialogue or writing a bit about your day or whatever. And so doing this exercise with the cards was a way that I came up with some uh, different perspectives on different things you could do with the character. But Hero Complex was, uh, I had scripts that I didn't dare show to Fru. uh, you guys all know the Hero Complex story. When the show went to Sydney, I uh, organised for the Fru crew to go. Uh, and afterwards, the guys all got to meet Sam and um, they invited us to the Fru headquarters the next day. And so we went there and uh, like a couple of kids in a candy store were drooling over everything in the, um, and seeing how the sausage was made. And uh, Dudley and Glenn were, and Renee were fantastic hosts. And... Uh, and we, we met Sam dropped that I'd written scripts and, uh, and Glenn said, well, I'll, I'll look at it for you. And so we gave it to them. I went home. I didn't use any of the ones I had. I went home and wrote another one, <laughs> which is, was hero complex. And it was my, my way of, um, paying tribute to my friendship with Sam and, uh, sort of reciprocating what he'd done with, the Hero Complex show, and that's why I called the story Hero Complex as a, a thank you to him, and that's why I worked in him as a cameo. But uh, a very humorous cameo. Yeah. So when we were, um, uh, and quite timely too, because um, after I'd written that, you guys cast him in the uh, <laughs> radio play as the bartender. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's certainly been typecast in the Phantom World, hasn't he? <laughs> but um, the the old joke with Sam and I when we were younger was we were going to make a Phantom movie <clears throat> and that I'd be the Phantom and he'd play Rex. And uh, and that's why I chose um, the, those two characters to be the, the the two sides of that hero complex story and indeed the second two parts of the story. So you're always rescuing um, Sam back when he was in high school, being the big, strong gardener? <laughs> no, it was more... Uh, I think the the camaraderie sort of it wasn't a it was a hard to define relationship. So uh, Ward was um, uh, it, it was a, like a bigger brother kind of thing, I suppose. And that's why the the story in Hero Complex is that first panel on that first page where um, Jeff has the side by side panels of Rex watching the Phantom as he's growing up, and then the Phantom watching Rex now uh, is basically the what that whole story is about, which is um, the people that you admire in your life um, through the journey of your life, you'll sometimes see them in a different light. Mm. That's brilliant. I, I don't know if I can say anything after that. Jeez. Just want to, <laughs> just want to leave that. Uh, you shouldn't really, you know, audio uh, media just have dead air, but I think everyone just needs a, a moment just to digest that for a second. That was very well spoken. Uh, Duncan was it always, oh. Sorry, was it always intended as a trilogy, Duncan? Uh, I actually... Sorry, I you were going to ask that too, Jim? Yeah. <laughs> I, I went home and I wrote it um, after we'd had that uh, weekend in Sydney 
um, and I wrote it so that it could just be a standalone because I was shooting for the stars as it was. Yeah. Um, uh, and so I decided to shoot for the moon and I actually wrote uh, a five part story and, oh, wow. and I gave it to, I gave the, the first part to uh, crew and didn't hear anything for a long time. And then again, uh, Sam stepped in and we were down in Tasmania uh, for hero complex and Sam's book had just been released. And um, he'd given me a copy of the book and inscribed it. And so I showed up thinking that the script was never get published. I wanted Sam to see the story. So I um, had it bound and gave him a copy of the script. And he sent a photo to Glenn and Dudley of us holding each other's work up. And it said, uh, here's me, here's Duncan standing with my published book and me standing with his unpublished script. Um, can you explain to us why we never remove the un? And, and they back and said, we forgot all about it. <laughs> We're going to go and find it. And so they went and found it. And the next, uh, the next day, Dudley said, um, you can remove the un. We just need to find an artist. And so yeah. very much uh, owed to Sam for uh, standing behind me uh, and then um, and lifting me up again when uh, yeah. I push. Yeah, and so that so it didn't end up being uh, five part. It ended up being uh, three. Are you happy with the three parts? Do you think it works better? Or yeah, and uh, and and I should say that, uh, and I've I've mentioned it on uh, social media that, um, and I think I talked about it in the the, the catch up last week. Uh, Jeff Weigel deserves the writing credit for Hell to mm. Account because um, because it had been a five part story. Uh, and if you th- I actually took some things out of those other parts and moved them around. Uh, and as a result, I think some of the flow wasn't quite right with Hell to Account. Jeff Weigel deserves a, a writing credit for Hell to Account. Not only did was his art fantastic, uh, because this story had originally been five parts, I took some things out of those other parts to make the story flow and put them into two and three. Uh, and there was some... Uh, some page limitations with fruit. So uh, we had to make some economies with the story, but Jeff's input and he's, he's uh, to not just to the excellent art, but to the story flow and the story structure uh, and some of the dialogue uh, really elevated the story. And, mm. um, and, and he was patient enough to take the time to show me that. Mm. Well, that's awesome. Um, How does that conversation go, Duncan? Are you um, emailing back and forth? Are you catching up on Zoom these days now because everybody does? Or uh, it was what it was us talking directly. Uh, we should have been going through Glenn, but he was busy. Uh, and I um, uh, and I think to just to make sure that we weren't operating at cross purposes, I wanted to make sure that the corrections were in line with what Jeff wanted. So I contacted him with with Glenn's permission um, and the the big sticking point was he hadn't seen the third part yeah. and so he was trying to figure out how to portray the story know where the story was going mm. and so I sent him the script for the third one and he went oh <laughs> yeah that makes sense and then that 
because he had that, that missing piece, then he was able to find where the gaps were that I wasn't filling in that story. And that's what I mean by uh, the writing credit. Like he, he looked at the overall flow of the story and what should be in a second act of a, of a trilogy. Yeah. And so, cool. so for the people that have read it, uh, the, scene, <clears throat> the scene where uh, Rex is outside um, the Count's apartment um, I actually had Rex doing something that was contrary to what I was trying to say with that character. Uh, and that was largely Jeff's input. Um, and the, uh, the fight on the ship um, was, yeah, that, and it beautifully portrayed in those two pages. Mm. Um, and the fight on the ship where... The, the phantom's got devil on his back over the side. Yeah. Uh, uh, the way I'd written it was a little bit too complicated. And so, um, uh, and the, my next partner's going to be a chihuahua. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the line that Jeff wrote and has proved popular in my household. Yeah, it's brilliant. So <laughs> do you have a, are that. you getting a chihuahua dog now? I, I um I did that was that was one panel uh, probably the only yeah. thing that I uh, that I was going to say um, are those criminals those uh, pirates on that ship the phantoms jumped overboard and uh, suddenly a chain is really taut between where he was and the handrail and no one thinks to check the other end of the chain that's uh <laughs> they've missed something there I think the pirates so if you look at the panels what it is is he's still, he's cracking open the shipping container. And then the guys are behind him with the gun. And so he puts his hand down and he's actually still holding the chain. And when they start yes. shooting at him, he dives over, over the board. And you can see that Jeff's put the chain in his hand. Yeah. He's gone over a hook that's under Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a hook, yeah. Just right. Yeah, but they can't see the chain leading off to the side. Oh, so the, so the chain's gone slack. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, I, I actually thought that was really brilliantly, brilliantly yeah. portrayed and harkens back to um, Phantom Tropes going back to Lee Fork's era with the Phantom jumping off the side of the boat and um, always managing to grab the trailing rope or um, the a, a convenient um, life racket, uh, jacket or whatever it is. So yeah. uh, I thought that was really well, really well done. A nice, nice trip, touch of the hat. Just missing going through the porthole and uh, scaring a poor lady. <laughs> <laughs> Devil wouldn't uh, fit in the through a, through a porthole. <laughs> yeah, does in Wilson McCoy's stories. No, I, I really liked it. I like the um, intro page as well because um, it kind of like gives you a nice catch up of everything. So it's like, and it's one page. Sometimes a catch up can be too long. Um, where this is nice, it's a little bit of reading, and then you kind of go through it, and it's like, oh yeah, that's right, bam, straight into it. Um, so I really like that. Um, yeah, I liked how. I also like the use of the modern technology as well. So um, you know, you got like the drones, the mobile phones, and stuff like that. Um, one thing that sometimes could be labelled at the Phantom is that it can be a bit old school. So it's um, you know, I like to see when the Phantom actually uses technology to the advantage of, you know, uh, and, it, and it was a really neat way of solving the problem as well, I thought. Um, and it, you know, it was just like, there's a problem, there's a solution, bam, it's there, it's, you know, and, and it was clever. It was, 
and it had a nice, it enabled the Phantom to spend some time with our Princess um, Alicia as well, which kind of helped that, you know, that dynamic between the two as well. I um, I was a bit careful with the the technology because I think there is a place for things like the Monkey Mail and yeah. and uh, and stuff and and uh, radio communications and even uh, jungle drums, but. Uh, it just reminds me of, I heard an interview with um, Larry David, who was one of the creators for Seinfeld. And he said, like, now they've they've looked at um, the situations in Seinfeld and went, so many of those episodes couldn't have happened in an age where there were smartphones. <laughs> a lot of the things were to do with, with miscommunications or, um, you know, mistimings or not being able to find each other at a restaurant or at a cinema or something. And so many those socially awkward situations were avoided, new ones created, uh, by the technology. And I think the same, we sort of run the same risk with the Phantom, where, whereas uh, if we make him too reliant on it, then um, yeah. it weakens him. Yeah, it does. But I think, and that's very true, but I also think that if he doesn't use technology, he's fighting with one hand behind his back and it also limits his ability to be able to be a proper hero as well. Absolutely. And that's why I wanted it to be uh, um, through the princess and through the, you yeah. know. Yeah, yeah. I really like that touch. And it also, it kind of gives, and, and the whole story that, the two stories that you've created, the, the, the mountain kingdoms, you've kind of modernised them as well. They're not these backwards hillbilly stuck in the 18th century you know they're they're they're, they're believable they're you know they are believable little countries i guess which i really liked as well thanks i think it's an absolute cracking story Mm. with um um and i mentioned this to to duncan last week but um the quick pace and and what have you and so um well done there jeff to on on the um editing there when you said um, it was edited the most uh, back in our annual conversations, I thought Jeff must, um, Glenn must have been um, helping you out. But um, no, nah, Jeff. So um, um, well done there, there, Jeff. And um, a, a particular note uh, that um, the scene where you know, where he's outside the, um, the near the fire escape and he was talked out of it by um, by Petra. I I really like that. Scene. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That was a good. Yeah, I really like because it, it was nice big panels, and it was almost empty as well. So you could it kind of added to the dynamic and the um, atmosphere. Great drama. Yeah. So, yeah, Jeff um, Duncan, you did still manage to get a uh, a Sammy J Easter egg in, of course, on page nineteen. I'm not sure if that's going to show up in the glare, but you did have the newsreader say that things are hotting up um, <laughs> in Baron Khan. Um, so nice little tip there. Well done. Yeah, there wasn't a there wasn't a way to work the bartender back in, but, uh. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I guess it's just re- I really liked how your Phantom uh, brings back the witty one-liners. Um, there's lots oh, of throwaway one-liners. You, you mentioned the Chihuahua one, which you um, said that uh, Jeff had contributed. Surely you're going to claim some of the other ones. Um, even uh, even Petra in the in the scene that um, Stephen was talking about there had a little one-liner about pays or pay his pay packet. I think as they, yeah. as they were walking away. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, like there, there's a um, 
Jeff corrected my language because he said Rex says something like, "I just need to find," and the original script Petra cut him off and said, "You just need to find your throne with your ass." Like, sit down and be a prince. Um, but my favourite uh, gag from this story is in the third part, and I'm looking forward to uh, to seeing that in print because. Um, uh, I, I can picture how Jeff has done the art for it, and I'm looking forward to seeing it. Mm. Do, you, do you have any idea when we when we will be seeing uh, the third part? Uh, I think some things are still fluid with fruit, with with fruit, but I think the indication is uh, early next year. Very nice. Good. Nice. I liked uh, Devil Riding. Uh, if you're on YouTube, you'd be able to see that Devil Riding. Uh, the oh, the the, the truck scene that was yeah, I yeah. laughed I think I did laugh out loud at that one yeah I honestly it was, I, I think one of the things that I liked with it with the flow is that the act there was enough action and it went for a couple of pages as well so like there was the ship scene which went for what um, you know one two you know three pages and then the truck chase. You know, went for how many pages does that go? That went for one, two, you know, two pages as well. So there was enough action to kind of keep you going. It was nice to have not just one page or one panel of action, but to have like a couple of pages of of, of action as well. It it really is gold. Like yeah, yeah. The, the the action you got um, the the car scenes or the truck the truck chases. You've got the phantom in the shadows scaring the the bejeebas out of the um. Bad guys and good guys is always good when he when he gives them uh, both a bit of a bit of a fright. Um, there's romance or, or yeah. love triangles, and there's intrigue like uh, the flame. We've well, we can um, assume that you're dropping a few hints in this issue about who the flame is, but um, of course you're the only one who knows, um, and I doubt that you're actually going to tell us who the flame is, or are you? <laughs> is this another Chronicle Chamber exclusive? <laughs> Uh, the only the, the Chronicle Chamber exclusive hint I will give you is uh, Hell Hath No Fury. Hell Hath Ooh. No Fury. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> oh, no. So it could be Princess Lara. Or oh, no, it's uh, sorry, uh, Captain Lara or Princess Alicia. So, uh, um, Nice. Yeah. Well, well I, I missed the hint there because of a dodgy internet connection, but um, you'll just have to re-listen to the podcast. <laughs> well, not my recording because I assume it's going to have the dodgy <laughs> dropout. Um, but I, I, I think that you're too clever for it. You're taking us down the path where um, a lot of people are going to think that the flame is mm. um, the trade minister Mislund. Um that's the obvious one at the moment. Yeah. I feel very sure that that's not going to be the case. Bear yeah. in mind that the book is designed for children, so it can't be too... Uh, you're not going to get the Sixth Sense ending. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> so Not, not M. Night Shyamalan at this stage. <laughs> I guess let's, let's go through. The, the reason you made mention of the Trade Minister, uh, Dan, that's who my, I guess, first guess was as well. And... Um, I looked at, you know, you look at the panels of her in there and then kind of, they sort of very similar to the clothes that the minister um, uh, is wearing. So that's 
that that's one of the clues that I picked up on when I was reading it. So like, uh, if you're on YouTube, you can see page nine. She's in um, a thing there in the parliament and she's wearing similar clothes to, you know, what she's wearing on that panel as well. So I guess that's where very similar things, you know, where, where some people are going to pick it up. The problem, yeah. the problem that I do have is with that theory is on page 26, which the last three panels, it looks like the flame is wearing a bracelet. There's a bangle and there's, yeah. I'm just looking at, there's a, there, yeah, the, only, they, uh, the there only a, people that wear a bracelet is actually, um, <laughs> that I've actually found going through it all. Samarica. Is, is uh, Princess Alicia. Where, no, that's her friend. Yeah, it? but Princess Alicia's wearing one on that panel, which is at the top of page 21. Um, and then I couldn't see one on the friend. Yeah, I did. I'm sure I did. I'm going with the friend now. I'm going with Samarica. <laughs> How does it feel to have your uh, work picked apart live on the podcast? Don't I'm just you? enjoying that you're having a conversation about it, which is what the point of doing that in the story was for, is to incite your interest. Uh, <laughs> but looking at, looking at the bracelet might be uh, like the uh, phantom in the, in the uh, Phantom's World story you're going to talk about, the disappearing ring. <laughs> but maybe, maybe maybe the flame takes it off and puts it on off panel. Yeah, yeah, maybe. <laughs> a red herring, isn't it? Yeah, just red gonna... herring. So, <laughs> yeah. Since, so, uh, sorry. Oh, I was sorry. just going to ask the question that I have is: I love the, you know, uh, the other thing I, I'll say I love the triangle is that you might you might not have um, Did... known that you've seen her. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's good. Yeah, that's what we want. And yeah, in, since we you know, since we've got the writer on, you're only looking in one story. <laughs> yeah. So maybe we need well, to play, dig we're going to have to dig uh, 18, 1832. Was it Hero Complex? So we have to dig 1832 out of the uh, out of the Chronicle Room. And you should um, have it, mate. Should be should be should be right at hand here, shouldn't it? Yeah. <laughs> If I'm missing a copy of 1832, do you know where there's anyone who might have some spares, Duncan? <laughs> All of my relatives uh, have the spares. <laughs> uh, so yeah, well, if I wrote a story, I'd be giving them all to my relatives too. <laughs> <laughs> now, yeah. while we've got the writer and we're being really picky, um, I was going to ask you about this panel, which is, I think, on page four. Um, nice and early in the story. And this is where Rex is getting quite frustrated at the Count. And uh, so I've just shown that on YouTube. And uh, just to read it, the Count says, I will not be silenced by the despotic tactics of a corrupt ruler hiding in the palace behind his guards. And Prince Rex gets all upset that he's hiding. He's not upset that he's being called a despotic ruler um, and corrupt and all the rest of it. Um, I, I'm just uh, entertained by what he gets upset at. Um, it really is. You've, you've painted a real picture of, a headstrong young man who um, is trying to find his place, this balance between essentially being the ward of a superhero and being the prince and having to live in that world. And um, we really see um, his frustration, I think, in terms of he's more upset that people might think that he's hiding rather than what they... You know what it reminds me of in the current climate? Bunker Boy. 
People are upset that he's hiding in a bunker and he's more worried about that than uh, any allegations about his leadership. <laughs> What's a bunk? Who's bunker boy? Uh, Trump infamously hid in a bunker for, well, inspected a bunker for 45 minutes or so while he, uh, the, the Black Lives Matter protests were happening. And he got, he was more uh-huh. upset about that than just about anything else I've seen. And that, um, so if, uh, unfortunately the president of America is behaving like a, uh, a young teen prince in the Himalayan mountains, uh, I think what's unfortunate is that Rex is acting like Trump. <laughs> I thought that's what you get. <laughs> oh dear. Well, I'm sure I'm sure he'll redeem himself in the third issue. Mm. So the love triangle. You've um, been on this for the last. Yeah. Who's who's whose side this. are we on? Whose side are we on? Princess Lara? I mean, no. Sorry, Team Lara or Team Princess? I'd, I'd like to take uh, the Phantom's lead on this and. Um, Go and fight bad guys because they're safer. <laughs> Very good answer. Dan? Yeah, I'm certainly not picking sides either. Let love find a way and wherever it needs to go, that'll happen. All right. Well, I'm, I'm Team Princess. I'm going to stand up. Um, I always preferred uh, Princess Alicia. Uh, Lara, I just, I don't know, I never, never, never could connect like, with, with her as a character. So um, I'm Team Princess. So hopefully she doesn't become the flame because um, that will absolutely ruin... ruin um, uh, it will ruin Jermaine's life. He'll, he'll quit. That's it, Dan. He'll, he'll unsubscribe. That's how bad it will be. I will unsubscribe. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so hopefully, <laughs> hopefully that's not it. <laughs> well, I, I actually quite like Lara in this story. Um, I thought that the the scene uh, when he was when he was supposed to be in parliament but for some reason was out in the garden with lara um that scene was um was quite poignant and sort of revealed something about the relationship that they'd had as um bodyguard and, and protectee if you like um over over a series of years so i, yeah. I like that little exposition yeah you're allowed to <laughs> Uh, uh, very good. Um, one one last thing, uh, Duncan. While we're, we're while we're still in the story, there was, there was just one little point that um, um, about oh, the writing process. If we can go back to that, um, when you submitted it to to Fruit, did you have like a synopsis, or was it just a full prose, or did you actually go like scene one, scene two, or panel one, page one? Um, how did you how how did you go about that one? Uh, so the first one that I sent because it was a spec script and they'd never seen anything I'd done before, I wrote the whole script and gave it to them. And then when uh, Glenn asked for what happens next, uh, I sent the synopsis for the other four parts of the story. Uh, and they said, no, nope, just one. And so I gave him a synopsis for three <laughs> and, and wrote the scripts for the next two and gave them to him at the same time. And like I had them, but I... Um, made the synopsis because that's what they preferred to see and he goes no and uh and get and convinced him to uh, make it three stories uh and i've subsequently submitted some others that are, are synopses of stories which i've got the scripts for uh but i'm waiting for them because they don't have time to read yeah. the if they don't like that read of the story and neither does king features yeah so does does King Features have to approve the synopsis? Yep. Oh, wow. Because you're playing with their IP and uh, with this one, we're creating new characters. So um, 
that they have to approve that that's in line with the brand. Oh. I suppose the earlier in the process they have their say, the less um, of everyone's time and uh, potentially money if you're getting an artist and all the rest of it is wasted. You, you need to head off these things at the pass if they're going to be problematic later. That's it. And, uh, and that's, it gave me, the process gave me a lot of respect for the work that Dudley and Glenn uh, and Frank and Shah do at the, at the office in the number of titles that they've got and the number of issues that they how regularly they're bringing the issues out and balancing writers, um, uh, artists and sometimes letterers and then cover artists for all those different uh, titles. Herculean tasks that they're completing. Yeah. We haven't even spoken about the, the cover of, of the issue. Um, Daniel Picciotto's cover is absolutely fantastic. Yeah. I think it looks like a movie poster. Yeah. <laughs> Agreed. I like the... Um, I like the just the dynamic of it, like you know, like there's the you know the three four scenes together. There's the dynamic. There's the action. There's the colour. There's the explosion. You know, things like that um, always draws people in. Mm. So yeah, no. He's, he's oh, just noticed in the truck that you can actually see the Phantom steering the truck there. I didn't notice that before. It's just like a slight little um, outline in there. You know what yeah, that that whole cool. thing sort of reminds me of. What was was it that Terminator movie with the truck? Terminator uh, Two. Was it Terminator Two? No, yeah, I think it was the one with the with. Was it one with the chick? Salvation or Genesis? Um, no, no, one of the older ones. Terminator Two. Like, like yeah, all right. Um, but yeah, no, that one it kind of reminds me a bit of that with the whole big truck and. I think it was one of the boom truck and it had the big crane and it like ripped through the building and and, and stuff you like that. Installation. With a female Terminator? Yeah, the female so Terminator. Hmm. Yeah. Oh. Everyone's yelling at us, telling us the answer right now. Yeah. So we'll move <laughs> on. <laughs> yes, the same Terminator. <laughs> so two, qu- two questions on the cover, um, Duncan. Do you know if Daniel drew this... Um, uh, hard or did he do it digitally and uh, second question follow up um, when can we expect to see it on your wall <laughs> uh, he did do um, he did do it uh, traditionally um, and I've seen um, scans of it without the colour on it and it looks absolutely amazing um, he will, it is likely to be in his folio when cons start up again so we can show people um, but it's been slotted to go against my wall when he's finished with it. <laughs> As well it should be. There's no better place than you in, but, in your skull cave. But I, uh, I was thrilled that he, uh, he gave me that opportunity because uh, I have been singing his praises since I first saw his work. His, his cover work and his sequentials are absolutely fantastic. Mm. He's a very, very talented guy. He's a nice bloke as well, so which, all, which also helps. And, uh, and like this, the, the cover that he did for the game... And this, yeah. uh, I can't see how he won't get more work with fruit. Yeah. He's just Absolutely. released his own, his, I think from memory, he's just released a new um, comic book that he's been doing himself. So, yeah. Um, yeah, hopefully that does well as well. Yeah, amazing. Absolutely amazing work. And has, I think has knocked this out of the park. Yeah. Yeah, he's done a stellar job. And um, we've spent all this time on your story because well well it's brilliant and it's new but but you share the um you share the issue with a couple of um well with the lee fault 
um, classic, The Wolf Rats. And we have The Looters by Joe Gill and Pat Boyette. Um, I'm unfamiliar with The Looters off the top of my head. Uh, the Wolf Rats, I remember reading. I haven't read it um, this past week because I, um, well, I read Duncan's story and then I read some of the stuff that I hadn't read in, in the giant size, which we'll talk about next. But um, does anyone else want to um, say anything about those two stories? Wolf Rats would be probably probably in the top 10, top 20 Cybarry stories, I would say. Um, and interestingly enough, if you like trivia, it is one of the, actually it would be the only Lee Fork story that has been redrawn for the newspaper. So um, there's something interesting. Um, which I'm not sure. I'm not sure if people will remember, but when Lee Fork passed away, it was redrawn by Fred Fredericks for the Sundays. There you go. So um, um, yeah, it's a brilliant story. Now, um, like I said, I haven't haven't read it recently or in the past week. Do these two stories for those people who are not familiar with them? Um, do they follow on the same theme as as how to account, or are they just a couple of random good stories that um, that we've put in there? Or even Duncan, did you have any say as to what stories can be combined with yours? Uh, no, I didn't get a say. Um, but the so this this issue was supposed to be the supernova issue. So this was supposed to be a double size um, uh, with the jam cover or, or whatever, whatever. Yeah special thing that Fru was going to bring out for Supernova Sydney. Well, that must have been a uh, thrill as well and a letdown when COVID came down. But um. No, well, my niche, my niche, it wasn't going to be my story. It was a different oh, story. Right. And so at very short notice because of COVID, Fru have moved my story forward in the schedule to fit into that book. Uh, and because the page length and everything is decided well in advance, uh, they had to find stuff to fit into that same allocation of pages. Yeah. So my story went in there and then Wolf Rats fit. And then I think that I'd suspect that's why the, uh, the Sinot stories, at the, the um, Charlton stories at the end, um, because it's the right amount of pages, it's only about four pages. And somewhere in that four pages, he goes to Paris and comes back. But, um, Correct. <laughs> but, so, and so it, it is masterful uh, bit of look at my left hand or my right hand does this work by uh, Dudley and Glenn to fit that in. And I could not be uh, more honoured that there's a cover with my name on it and Lee Falk and Cyberry's name on it. And Warfrats is one of my favourite um, historics. Like, I absolutely love that story. Yeah. Um, and it was one of the early ones that I read and really enjoyed. Uh, and if you go through it uh, after the podcast, nearly every page has a panel that you just go, that is a classic phantom panel that i've seen on a t-shirt or a yes. sticker or it's been a cover of a fru like there's, yes. there's so many um and, and I'll, I'll say that and then not be able to find one but oh um, you're right every page but if you look at like this that panel there i've got what stickers. page is that on um sorry that's page 42 yep and it's when he's on the ship and he's uh, creeping around looking at the um, who's on the ship and sussing it all out. And on the next page, which is 43, he's dropped the gun on the... He's, cut, he's bursting in on them and don't bother about finding me yep. on here. Yep. And there's just... That, 
it's just beautiful Cyberry work. There's the, a couple of iconic on images on page 30 and 31. Down the bottom of 30 and the top of 31, a couple of iconic phantom and hero uh, images. That, um, yeah. that panel you mentioned on page 42 of the phantom. Sorry. Sorry, Dan. Oh, no, sorry. I'm, I'm, my connection's a bit unstable tonight, I think. But the, the panel you mentioned on page 42 of the Phantom uh, coming around the corner, check. Um, that's actually a sticker that's on my motorbike. Um, I, I, that's, uh, so, that's yeah, it's good to say. You're right. That's where I see it. It's a sticker on my motorbike. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> um, here's another panel as well on page 38. You've got the ship, uh, the fisherman, with his uh, pipe upside down. That panel... Uh, has actually been reused by Felmang uh, in a couple of his stories as well. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, so, but you're right. There's so many icon iconic um, images and, and stuff like that. There is one problem with it, though, which, where is it? So you've, the chain that the Phantom climbs up changes sizes. So if you, I'm pretty sure you can't pick Dudley on that one. No, you can't pick on Dudley. No, it's on having a crack at Sai. That's a, <laughs> a yeah. That's a, a if, oh, dangerous business. There. I think it's the perspective. It's it's where it is in the in relation to the Phantom. There's yeah no I don't think so. There's one where I think it's where the the Phantom climbs up it or or something like that and. Um, on a couple of other pages. I can't actually find it now. I should have probably found it before. But, um, yeah, there's this one when the Phantom climbs up it and then he's next to it that's different sizes. So. I'll, I'll allow it. Yeah. I'll, I will forgive. I will forgive. So for the, the amount of masterpieces that he's put yep. in this panel. We'll, yeah. we'll let him off for that one. I think it's just camera angle. I'm with you, um, Duncan. I think it's just camera, camera angle and perspective that we're... Yeah, that we're you're talking about page 53. Yeah. You're on your own there, Jim. We're, we're not about to uh, <laughs> just the master. We're going we're gonna, to right. uh, throw you under the bus on that one. Yeah, no, that's fine. And, and Sorry. No, I was just going to say, what about, and what about looters? And, and let's um, have, talk about that four page. I'm with you, Duncan, the... The, the speed of that story is masterful to go from being in the jungle and uh, having your, uh, your caves exploded and then somehow to track them to Paris on the back of a box of matches um, and find the, the culprits there and s chase them through Paris, solve the problem, get the treasure back and be on a plane back to Bengala uh, all in five pages, uh, four pages is uh, masterful. <laughs> you, t you have to do, ta do take some plot jumps, it must be said. I do like that he says something like the they find French cigarettes at this the crime scene at the where the skull the caves exploded, and he says French cigarettes you could buy anywhere, but this matchbook must be from Paris, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm going to go to that restaurant. <laughs> Was any were the rest of you thrown by um, the the first couple of pages where you had to read all the way across the screen across the page? Um, yeah. and, and then I won't be now. I certainly read it, it in the traditional format uh, down here. I've gone, gee, that's really jumpy, and then I have to go <laughs> back and read it again. Yeah, they do have arrows. Did you not see the arrows? No, I did not see the arrows until I moved up to the uh, start of the second page. So. <laughs> yeah, I 
it's it's almost like the the scan and the print. I don't know. It, it, it didn't make the art look that good. Like, and just looking at this and, and the way it's been scanned and the way it's been printed, it's, um, I don't know, it's almost something funny with it. It just, it doesn't look as clean or so. It seems pretty typical of Charlton reprints as they appear in front Yeah. Um, I don't know. It just, it just looked a little, I don't know, it just didn't really look as nice as I've seen some others. But I, all right, here's a question. Would you rather see a four-page Charlton story or would you rather see letters from the publisher or letters from the fans to the publisher and stuff like that? In this case, the, the, um, the story, I think, is good. Yeah. Because for probably for probably about oh, 70%, maybe even more of the free readers, they would have never seen that story before. And we have been getting a lot of letters lately, I think. Well, yeah. not we, Fru has. Yeah, I, I I prefer to see the extra story. Yeah. Okay, talking about extra stories, um, we we might move on if that's all, all right yep. with you, Duncan. I think we've spent about an hour on, on your on your book. Is, <laughs> is, is that enough? There, we've done it there yes. <laughs> You're still awake with us? Absolutely. Just just before we do leave eighteen sixty nine, I really enjoyed the people smuggling aspect of your story, Duncan. Um, it's it's very real, and and you think of the tragedy that happened in England uh, late last year. Maybe um, I think there's the the lorry with all of the people that had died in the back of it, and um, oh, yeah. the the and and Jeff has has masterfully um, depicted the Phantom's rage in his face when he realises that that's what's been in these shipping containers, and when they're talking about our ten percent loss of stock and that sort of thing. Um, you know, so I, th I think that uh, that's a really a really good um, storyline to tap into. That uh, you know, everyone from every side of politics can agree that that sort of stuff is reprehensible. So um, yeah, um, before we leave 1869, a final double thumbs up from me. Two good marks uh, for the story so far. I'm really looking forward to the third part. No, thank you. And you, you know, I'll listen next comics and news podcast for your real review of. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you very much guys for your support and your uh, I, I, I try to go by the, the mantra that if you're not going to say it to their face don't say it at all so uh, <laughs> I've got nothing but good things to say <laughs> okay giant size is the annual giant size 13 there is I think I was doing a count is it 11 stories in, in this uh, big baby here um 212 pages of retro goodness. It says so on the cover. We have the Terror Tiger. Uh, we have Death Dive. We have Scorpius Aftermath. We have the Phantom Ranger. Two Phantom Rangers. Um, the, the Shadow, the Raven, Planet Man, Sir Falcon, Catman and Kit, and the Panther. They're nearly everyone, I think, is that everybody? That, who have we missed out? Is, uh, I hope Sir Falcon's in there. I think just the whole kitten caboodle is um is in this issue of of um of giant size. Um, now I've only read the Phantom stories of what I've seen is the Phantom story. So that was uh, the Terror Tiger Death Dive. So uh, that's Glenn Lumsden's part two, and I did read Scorpius um, uh, by Shane Foley. There was the when we get to that, there's one little point there. I'm, I'm a little bit confused of it because I haven't had a chance to read the last part of the last um, thing of Scorpius, which had me confused. I did read um, the, the new 
or retelling of the Phantom Ranger's origin. Um, this one doesn't have aliens in it. Um, if I remember, the, the first one I read had, had some sort of alien gift to uh, the Phantom Ranger. That's how he gets his powers. This time it's just passing on from a Navajo Indian. Um, and no, I haven't read the, the Shadow Raven. It starts Star. with currently in outer space. That's the first line of the story. Hang on. Are we looking at a different <laughs> story then? Maybe. Yeah. yeah um, There's two. Uh, Stephen was talking about the old, um, is it Peter Chapman? Oh, yeah, the original one. Original one. Sorry, yeah. I didn't read that. I only, I read the Felmang version. Yeah. Well, I didn't read the Felmang version, so it's, I, think, um, I think between the okay, the I withdraw we'll the whole thing. <laughs> it's it's a. I'll just say this at the start. It's amazing to see what gets printed in a through issue when it doesn't have to be censored by KFS, hmm. because KFS uh, seeing through owned the license and KFS don't, uh, KFS don't have to see or don't get to see what gets published in the Phantom uh, uh, Phantom Ranger. And it's uh, interesting that uh, what there's worse depictions in that one than what was censored in the uh, Horton Castle in the, uh, in the previous um, uh, issue. So... It's it's rather it's interesting to see what gets uh, what has to be censored and what doesn't. So yeah, I'll just leave that one. Very discreetly looking for that page that you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'm just <laughs> seeing all the panels. Everyone going where 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 where. <laughs> so, and this is of course Felmang's work. Yes, this is Felmang's work. So you're looking at. So we're talking about the the rodeo, which is the story on page 140 of the giant size edition. Yeah, uh, for we're those talking about the uh, 161 and 162. There so let's just put it this way. If that was a Phantom story, that would have been edited. Uh, but Quite heavy. Yeah, there's, yeah, there's no way Diana would be allowed to be depicted like that. Exactly. But I just thought, I, I, in saying that, Filming's art in this story is beautiful. He's uh, He's still got it. Uh, I know sometimes some of the pay, some of the artwork doesn't always look the best, and we've discussed that several times. But this the story that he's done for this one is top notch. It's, in my opinion, some of his best art that he's done probably the last five years, maybe even longer in this Ooh. Phantom Ranger retelling. Yeah, when he's on, he's on. Yeah, and he's he's the really enjoyed the story. Really enjoying the story and his take of this um, of this character. Um, so, what did you think of the um, Stephen? Still trying to find those pages. I oh, know I've done that. I'm, <laughs> no, I'm he's now pouring over them. <laughs> I've actually seen a someone who looks like Mandrake wearing a mask and shooting a gun. I was wondering what. I'm now I'm intrigued to see what this story is. This is what I get for um, being too busy to to read all the stories in the annual before the um <laughs> before we record. Well, I'm I'm like you, Stephen. I only read uh, read the Phantom comics, the re- the Phantom stories. To be honest, I did I did read the new Phantom Rager because I um uh, I enjoyed Felming's take on the last one, other than the space business. But he dispenses with that in the first page of this story. So see. So moved on from that um but but just the range of phantom stories in this one just to see two new phantom stories as well as the um uh the, the old king um story 
um, in the in the start of this. It's um, giant size is is evolving differently than I probably imagined. Um, it was after the first one or two issues. Um, here we are, thirteen um, issues in the second annual, I think. And um, there's certainly a lot more original content in um, Giant Size than I anticipated when they first came out. Yeah. And I, I, and I, I one, really like it. Um, I didn't think I was going to. Yeah. Um, I was the same. Yeah. Um, but, the, but the, especially with all these other, other characters, but um, I've really grown to, um, to enjoy them, like the Raven and, and the Shadow and, yeah. and Sir Falcon. I'm, I'm, my jury's still out on Catman. I, I'm, I'm yeah. still not a Catman fan. I'm um, with you on that one. Don't like Catman, but all the others. It's. Yeah. I think what helps is the mix of the new and the old. Yes, because absolutely. I know for myself, I read the new stories because I enjoy Glenn Lumsden's take or Massimo or Filming or Shane Foley. I enjoy these creators, enjoy what they do. So I'm reading their story because it's like, oh, I like their artwork, I like the storytelling, and then it's like. Oh, hang on, he's not bad. And then you find yourself reading the older story and then you kind of put yourself back into the 1940s and 50s and then you're enjoying the story again. Um, you know, I've got some of the old giant size comics and I know they're collectible issues and stuff, but they're not nearly as enjoyable as the, as the new giant size um, issues that Fru are bringing out. What do you think about that, um, Duncan? I'm assuming that you'd have a of a fair collection of giant size. Would I be right in saying that? I've got a few, not a huge collection, but um, I think they've done a re- exactly what Jermaine said. It's a really good mix, and uh, and I think it's a good flow. Like the, the styles are, are quite aligned with it as well. Um, the shadow is a, is a quite an interesting character, and Dudley mentions it in the uh, the letter from the publisher at the start, uh, where he talks about that story coming out about the time that the world was sort of enamoured with Bond coming out. Yeah. Still in the books. And it, that story, is. there's some scenes in there that are um, very similar to some of those Bond films, those Sean Connery Bond films that came out first. Um, uh, and then there is, a, there is a Bond in the in the book. It's the first panel in the story, but he gets shot out of a torpedo tube. And that <laughs> in Bond film. Yeah, that, that does. And it's, got, and it's got that kind of... And, and, and in a certain purple clad um, hero film, I think someone gets shot out of it. Yeah. No, I, I really like it. Now, probably my one negative is that it, whenever I get a giant size, I always look for the new stories first. And it was hard to find where they were. So mm. I had to lie. And you know, this, is, this, is, this is how much of a... a you know, how small my negative is, is that I like to read Glenn Lumsden's and Shane Foley's stuff first, you know, the new people's first. And it was hard to try and find them. Uh, Jermaine, may, may I um, direct you to the very first, the, the, op- the opening inside cover where there is a uh, table of contents with yeah. page numbers beside. I, I, like, I know that's there, but it's like, if you actually look at it, you don't, you know, it doesn't say The Shadow, The Phantom, Death Dive by Glenn Lumsden. So if you're only quickly looking at it, it doesn't have the creators or something. Uh, okay. Uh, you know, I like to like to get it and quickly read the story and you know and stuff like that. But that's my that's my one negative with it. <laughs> you didn't okay. say your negative is you didn't slow down to read the contents page properly. <laughs> no, 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 no. Too excited. I've, I, I make it but a it, habit. 
I make it a habit not to read the message from the publisher because they do tend to give it or yeah. give stuff away a bit. That is fair. In the in the data in the in the fortnightly um, issues, I do tend to skip the front page as well and come back and read that later. But um, yeah, I've started still, doing that now. From not all the yeah. time, but I have been starting to do that. Yeah. But, but I think, you know, what it, what they're setting out to achieve is exactly what you talked about before, the mix. It's not like, right, first half is new, second half is old. They're going to intersperse it throughout. So it's yeah, a deliberate right. attempt by, um, or, or a, different, a deliberate effort by um, Fru to get you to bed, um, reading the whole thing and not just the new stories, not just the old stories. So Yeah. Yeah. No. Um, yeah. So I think we've done a good overall review. Um, what about we have it just focus on those, on those new stories? Um, uh, for the time being, we'll see how time yep. goes goes with this. Um, so we've got the sequel to the um, Death Dive with um, the Shadow and the Phantom. Um, I quite liked um, the, the story, uh, that, or part one, when it when it came out. Um, and with and in this issue, page fifty nine in the uh, book, if I can get up to there. Um, that because you looked at the contents page. That was because I looked at the contents page. <laughs> um, the, the the artwork is fantastic Glenn Robson I think has done a fantastic job um, I, the way that the, the shadow interacts with the divers down um, uh, you know underwater yeah, I'm going to give a bit of a scare but there's no easy way to do this and was, if you've got your back turned all of a sudden you hear someone tap on your um, oxygen tank yeah. and um, you know I expect anyone there I dare say that you'd probably feel your, um, your wetsuit pretty quick <laughs> yeah, uh, one of the things I love about it is that the bad guys, and you can see on this page, oh, they look evil. They, it's very, it's similar to what Wilson McCoy did, where the bad guys look very, very bad. You know, there's no mix. Oh, they could be good, they could be bad. It's like in every no, Wilson McCoy, you're judging story, the book by its cover. <laughs> <laughs> you look ugly. You need to wear a paper bag, and you're a bad guy. <laughs> <laughs> What well, actually on that um, when I think it's uh, it's the shadow, um, you know, letting the bad guy know that it's knockoff time and that he should have some jelly. Yeah, and yeah, the way yeah. that the bad guy looks after that, he looks like a, a monster. I don't know that's come out of Frankenstein's lab or something. He just he looks hideous. He and what and that really leaves the story on a, on a awesome cliffhanger, mm. um, balanced on a, on a Axe's edge, really. <laughs> yes. Uh, also, this has been a bit of a gripe of ours in the last couple of podcasts, but he uses uh, an old jungle saying as well. So um, uh, I'm, I'm glad to hear, I'm, I'm glad to see that uh, that didn't fall on deaf ears and uh, Glenn has uh, put in an old jungle saying. Even if it's one that he made up, it's still good <laughs> to see old jungle sayings. You've, uh, you've got to make up old jungle sayings. I suspect that Duncan, the the one that you placed in the back of um, Hell to Account, is a brand new one. I haven't read When the Phantom Punches You, You Stay Punched before. That uh, wasn't Duncan's. That's this one. That's in um, Glenn Lumsden's. Oh, is that in this one? Oh, my bad. Okay. That, I, that reminds I, me. <laughs> I had it as a uh, personal goal to make my own old jungle saying, and they've been taken out. The oh. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so... Was that Fru or KFS or, or uh, <laughs> they weren't in the final story? <laughs> but what um I'm just looking at this one, you know, when the phantom punches you, you stay punched. When the phantom punches you, your head explodes. Um, <laughs> if you check at the bottom of page sixty three, the the bad guy's got quite the um quite the headache. 
Yeah. So you're right, though, Dan. That is a um, a new jungle saying, um, or a new old jungle saying. Um, Glenn actually uh, contacted me and asked uh, for a list of all the old jungle sayings that I had, and he spent a good day or two pouring over all of the ones that I was able to find for him. Um, and so he did do his homework to try and find one that would fit that panel. And he said he had to go and he had to end up making his own one. And he said he really, really loved it. And then he said for his next story, he put in too many old jungle sayings. And so he had to cut some of them out. Hmm. Now, um, talking about things we- being cut out and things being included, just looking at that same page where, uh, where you stay punched, um, we have this great big fantastic panel of the, of the fist with the skull ring coming mm. through to, to knock the fella's block off. But when the fella first gets tapped on the shoulder, there's a, a very, um, there's a ring mm. missing. Yes. There's, no, there's no way around it. Um, it's the phantom tapping him on the shoulder. That's got, it can't be anybody else. Where's his ring? And this could be something that happens just in the publishing process. Is it Duncan? I did enjoy where things just go missing and then inserted and oh, taken out, then all of a sudden inserted. You, you alluded to that before with a, with a bangle. Well, I, I, what I was referring to was on social media when this was raised, uh, someone very quickly put that page on online with a missing panel, and the panel is the phantom putting the ring on in between tapping him on the shoulder. <laughs> Yeah, I, and it was a, I can't remember who it was. It might have been Wendell Cavalcanti or it was a, it was a phantom artist, I think. Who, yeah, over, yeah, overlaid uh, this panel, uh, extended the phantom's body down below so that you could see the, the ring being put on. I thought that was very clever as well. I did enjoy that. <laughs> I missed that. Yeah, I haven't seen that either. Yeah, I don't know. Goodness me, I've seen a phantom thing on the internet that Jermaine hasn't seen. What's going on? <laughs> I feel like I'm missing out on something now. Um, <laughs> But do you guys like part two of Death Dive? Does yes. Kick the story along. Yeah. Yeah. You're keen to see what happens in part three now that uh, yeah, we you know does is the Phantom going to be able to live forever? What's happened? Has he finally met his match? Yeah. Probably my only negative with it is that it's like you get right into it and then it's finished and it's like ah. Oh. Yeah. That's what's called a cliffhanger. Yeah, I know. <laughs> there but is a from the there is an explanation gener- from the microwave generation. Yes. You don't like waiting. <laughs> Yeah, and and with giant size, they're three months apart too. So I can understand that we've we've uh, waited three months to for this book, and we get six pages of the story. Now, obviously, the explanation at the front um, is about the delays caused by caused by COVID and all the rest of it. But uh, yeah, it is a little. It, it it would be great to have all three parts put together in a um, in a regular issue. I think. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, it's. You, you know, you, you know, it's a good issue if this is, you know, this and that's the problem. Being able to find, you know, yeah. like the two the two problems we can find are, you know, we can't find the comics. We want more. The story <laughs> straight away, and we want more. If that's if that's the extent of the problem, through doing a good job. A very good problem to have. Yeah. Um, moving over to to Scorpius aftermath. Um, I, I, I'm reading in the in the message from the publisher. This is part one of a two-part epilogue. I, I, that's the way I, I read it, which was interesting. Um, but it's, it's, it has carried on from the story before. Um, we got all our characters back. But um, the, the part that's intrigued me, and I, I need to go back and probably read the last part of, of um, 
of Scorpius. But it looks like the Raven was on an assassination mission um, for something that the the Shadow was was trying to get sorted. Has there been a miscommunication? Has 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 the has the Raven turned bad? I, I can't remember what, what happened to to have him be look like uh, an, a, a would be assassin. Where is that? Raven? Uh, I'm looking at page 115. I must admit that when I um, oh. got to the Scorpius story, um, it threw me a bit because we'd read Scorpius and it was finished and there mm. was no hint that there was an epilogue to come. And so when we got this one, I'd, I, I was kind of all over the shop in terms of trying to remember why these characters were together and doing the things that they were doing. And um, yeah, it, it, it sort of threw me and I, and I didn't um, probably haven't appreciated it like I might have otherwise if it was followed immediately in the same issue. Um, to the original story, I suppose. Yeah. And, yeah, I think that's me as well. That's why I want to go back and read the last Scorpius. I, it, does, it, this. it does look like the Raven, but I'm not sure if it is the Raven. Well, it might not be, but it definitely but, yeah, looks it like does, it. Yeah, I, I can see where you, I can see where you're coming from with that. Um, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm enjoying the Scorpius. Um, uh, I'm, en- I'm enjoying where he's coming from. I enjoy like all the little Easter eggs that Shane puts in there. I can just imagine what his office. He must have like this big whiteboard or something, and he's just got all these bits of papers and strings going from one thing to another as he tries to tie everything together. And he's probably moving things around all the time, and then moves this bit of paper, and then he's pulling out the files and doing whiteout and redrawing something and. He, he must have like a, you know, like a real spaghetti type of mind where just one thing leads to another and, um, yeah, it, it, it must be fascinating just being able to, um, you know, get an insight into what he's thinking with this. Now, does this, does the epi- is the epilogue needed? Does it add anything to the story? I think it does. I, I, well, I guess we've got to see the second part before we we know that. I suppose, I, as I said, I didn't. I I probably didn't appreciate this one because it didn't um, didn't immediately gel for me. Now, I can another exclusive. If you're still listening to us, you deserve uh, another, to get exclusive. another exclusive. Is that the next part of the epilogue? I am led to believe, actually, has been changed due to something that we discussed last time we discussed Scorpius. So, oh, see, I was looking for that in this one. And I couldn't yeah, see so scene. no, it's not this one, sorry. It's the mm. next one. Apparently the next part has got a change or something to do with something that we discussed in the last time we discussed Scorpius. So, um, yeah, so... Uh, and that's why I'm thinking that he must just be having this big clipboard of just everything that's going on because it's, it's you know, it, it reminds me of the Marvel movies where, you know, you've got all these different threads and they're all coming together and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, I, I have fun with it and I have fun trying to figure things out and picking up the Easter eggs and, like, the um, panel where he's got a, a Cy Barry-style picture of the Phantom. Um, it's just there's there's care there's there's a love of the characters, um, and you know uh, that's what I enjoy. I enjoy having reading it for the fun, but then I enjoy digging into it as well. I, and I we, think, we can't walk away from this cover without 
talking about the sorry about this from this issue without talking about the cover. That's um an amazing depiction mm. from Glenn Lubson as well. Um, really stunning, I thought. Yeah, yeah, very good point. And, and you sound like you're about to say something there, Dunk. Oh, just when Jermaine brought up about the the Marvel Cinematic Universe, if you watched Endgame, and this I'm going somewhere with giant size with this. So if you watch Endgame, you would think it was a good movie. But the people who think it's a great movie are the people who watched the 25 movies before that over four years, over lots and lots of planning where very clever people have interwoven bits of subplots of stories and callbacks to things from, you know, Captain America, the, the first one. And I think Giant Size is like that because the, its origins were as a sampler serialised story to try and get a reader hooked and make them come back, even if they were only following the adventures of Catman or the Shadow or Phantom Ranger or whatever, they'd go and get that next, that whole book just to find out what happened for the guy and then hopefully they'll read the other stories too because they're waiting for their next instalment of Catman and they might get hooked on another character. And um, and I think what the team at Fru are doing is, is capturing that. So for the older readers that like, it's nostalgia for them, which is what the a lot of the movies that we're getting sold now is nostalgia for our childhood. Uh, but for a new, newer readers who aren't familiar with those characters, it's installments so that you go, I do want to know what happens next. Yeah. But the reason why I think it works is when the new one comes out like Scorpius, it makes you go and get your other giant size off the shelf <laughs> and then read it again. In, and so you, you are reading one story. Yeah. It's a, it's a brilliant point. I've actually just recently started re-watching all of the Marvel movies. I've done it in the chronological order of what they are set in the yep. life. Yep. So, you know, like Captain America first, then Captain Marvel, you know, yep. in, in that order. And I have a greater appreciation for some of the movies that I didn't like the first time because I'm watching them together and picking up the Easter eggs and, and, and stuff like that as well. So, mm. yeah. And, and I think that's where you're going to appreciate when that second epilogue comes out. I think reading all of those Shane Foley stories in a row when you've got a lazy afternoon and a training, you will go, oh, that spaghetti mind is a, the mind of a genius. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, the, and the last thing I'll say is I cannot go past without mentioning the front cover of the <laughs> thing, which is one of my favourite Phantom covers. Yeah. Do you know where that panel came from? Uh, from this picture behind me. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and, it is. Uh, and I was just talking to Jermaine before the podcast started. Uh, it's obviously Cy Barry, the art that we're talking about, but this is a series cell that came out as a prototype for Disney or something, I think is the story. But if you look, there's a uh, Julie's in it. And I've seen the comic book. There's a, there's a later King comic where that's the cover. And that horse isn't his horse and Julie's not his Julie. Hmm. I don't know if you can see that. Yeah. Right. But so, I took this yeah. to decide to get it signed. That's better. I took it to decide to get it signed, and he went, "That's not my horse." <laughs> <laughs> so that that panel, the one that you were showing there, he, he signed it for you anyway, which is nice. Yeah. Well, <laughs> the other, other one, Tim. That's it. So that actually comes from uh, the mysterious ambassador. Um, where I haven't um, seen his story, and it's yeah. beautifully done. Yeah, so uh, just something a little bit interesting there for those who like little tidbits. 
Jermaine Parker, Phantom Detective. <laughs> <laughs> okay, kicking on. Um, are we still sticking on with yep. any other stories here? No, nah, let's, let's move on to Phantom's World. It's going to be a two and a half hour podcast. I think we're close. close well, it was always going to be once Duncan joined. Right, so moving on to Phantom's World number 12. Um, there is a, a number of stories here in the, the classic 60s Italian stories. We have Wild Olympics, um, the Tiger's Claw, the Curse Without Name, and the Condemned Island. Um, why should we rush out and buy this issue um, for anyone who hasn't read it? Um, well, they're fun. The stories are fun. fun. Yeah. It's, this is also the last one. This is also the last, the last of the ever Phantom's World. World. Yeah, Dudley... The final one. Go and get it. Yeah, Dudley sort of hints that it may not be the last one, although we may see something like it again. Yeah. Um, so that the was last in this series for now, yeah, he says in the so, message. Yeah, I thought that was interesting. Um, I really liked... The Wild Olympics, I kind of thought was fun as well. I really liked that. Now... He kind of makes it sound like that the Wild Olympics is a redrawn story of a Lee Fort classic, but I don't believe that's kind of right. Um, so he says it is a re-imaging of Lee Fort's Jungle, Jungle Olympics, but the story is very different. So, um, yeah. But I liked this story here because it's got, like, real-life... Um, you know, the real-life Olympics Olympians in there. Um, we had a bit of fun talking about this story, which uh, and I talked about, about it with Duncan as well, is that we have never actually... This is the closest we've seen, uh, apart from a Team Phantom Man story, about Diana and her Olympic um, career. So um, we've seen mentions and stuff like that, but this is sort of maybe the closest we've seen. Now, we, we d it doesn't say for sure that the Phantom was with Diana for the Olympics. It just says that they were kind of on a boat that left Australia after the Olympics. So it kind of leaves a little, a little bit ambiguous, but um, I wouldn't mind seeing a story about Diana in the, the Olympics. We're talking about with a with a writer. So, uh, what do you reckon, Duncan? Reckon there's a story in there somewhere? I was uh, I was intrigued when you raised it because I hadn't read the story when you told me about it, and I went out and found it um, uh, because for some reason mine didn't come in the mail. So I went to the and found it in the store, uh, and I I may have made some notes and done some research based on that conversation <laughs> because it is a. Uh, uh, it, there was some interesting things happening in Australia at the time. Mm. So there's another Chronicle Chamber exclusive. Man, we're full of them tonight. Uh, if, we're if, always full of something. <laughs> oh, very good. Um, but no, so the stories I, are fun. The stories are historic. Yeah. Um, yeah. Also with the Tiger's Claw, Tiger's Claw, there's a bit of an Indian theme as well. Now, do you, when you're reading The Tiger's Claw, do you see it as Bengala or do you see that the Phantom is visiting India? That's a question that I wouldn't mind asking the guys who have actually read the story. No, well, I've read it and I thought that um, 
no, my sense of it was that the Phantom was visiting India. Yeah, um, that's what I thought as well. Yeah. Um, and, and that may well mean that Bengala is close to India and um, certainly that's sort of what Dudley refers to in the message from the publisher is mm. that, you know, he talks about the, um, the question marks around the geo, geographic location of Bengala. Um, look, I, I, sometimes I get caught up on these sorts of things. I'm not, I'm not caught up on it with these stories. I think that, um, you know, you, you just, I, I really enjoyed the, the storytelling motif of that one, of Tiger Claw. Um, because we often hear um, stories of past phantoms by listening to stories from the Chronicles as the phantom reads the stories. And in this case, to hear it from um, a witness, I suppose, that, they, that, the, that the phantom has come across to find someone who, who then tells him the story about what happened with his dad, I thought that was a really clever um, narrative motif and something a bit refreshing from the standard uh, let's go to the Chronicle Chambers and read a bedtime story type thing. Yeah, no, that's a brilliant point. Saying just a little, same, same as what we've always seen, but just a little bit different in how it's presented. Yeah, you can cut back and forth and, and seeing the, uh, the old man and, and that moment when you realise, because it's, it's actually written cleverly, so you don't realise from the very beginning that the man telling the story is actually in the, in the story. And as that comes together at the end, there's that really oh, aha moment. Mm. Um, which which I enjoy as a reader, being able to be surprised in that sense by something that was in front of your face the whole time. Yeah. yeah. What about the curse without a name? Um, that's the third. That one was probably my weakest. It was probably the art. I really enjoyed the art. The art was um, by Santa D- Domenico. So, like for instance, the you know here's the panel where is. Uh, wrestling a uh, a bull you know like the art in that of this that's on page 56 you know the art's beautiful you know there's the jungle there's the big panels the phantom and and stuff like that but it's probably yeah it's probably my weakest story out of the four i would agree with you and my reasoning for that is very much this the the turn that the story takes about two-thirds of the way through you think you know what sort of story <laughs> you're following um, but then all of a sudden the, the bad guy that the fandom has tracked down turns out to be a, a, a mad invent, inventor that he's got a history with, that there's a history with the fandom on that story, mm. uh, with that character. Um, and there's and suddenly he's, um, it's almost sci-fi and they bust out robots and that sort of stuff. And the fandom knows enough to, to smash the um, photoelectric plates or whatever it is that the robots are and, and suddenly just defeats them easily. Um, yeah, so the, the the turn that the story took there um, just didn't fit in with the rest of the story, and so it stood out as being um, quite yeah. jarring in that sense. There's a, a real Cyberry like panel as well, if you uh, can see it on YouTube. Uh, that's the top right panel on page seventy four as well. So that was uh, it was really nice looking at that as well. Mm. And Dudley does say in the message from the publisher that. Um, if you like Cyberry stories, then you're going to enjoy this, um, yeah. this issue. And he's absolutely on the money there because uh, clearly all, um, I'm not sure if it's four different artists, but certainly the artists of this have all been inspired. And, yes. uh, yeah, there you go. Dun- Duncan, if you talk and tell us which panel you're holding up. Uh, 73. See it? 73. Oh, that looks familiar. <laughs> <laughs> um Diana on the first story, just to kind of go backwards a little bit, she looks really young in those in those pages as well. Um, 
which is, you know, 1962, which um, she looks, it's almost a cross between, you know, uh, like a, a side barrier, but there's also sort of Wilson McCoy elements in the way um, Senior Parazzi has drawn um, Diana just with her youthfulness, with her fringe and, and the hair and stuff as well. So, um, but yeah, it, it's, it's nice seeing the four different artists and seeing the Siberi elements and, and yeah, I, I enjoyed it. The Condemned yeah, Eye... On, on, sorry, what are you going to say? Oh, I was just going to say, no, I didn't jump in and talk about Wild Olympics as a story when we were chatting about it, but um, I really enjoyed it as a yeah. reimagining of the Jungle Olympics. And it, um, it, you're absolutely right. It wasn't a, um, a retake of a particular Lee Fork story, but it absolutely dovetailed into the Lee Fork universe and yeah. the Jungle Olympics universe. It worked really well, I thought. And you, um, yeah, so in that sense, in terms of it being seamless and you're not having to um, accept any new elements, I suppose, but um, but just a building on the the mythos yep. of of the Jungle Olympics, I thought it worked really well. Yeah, yeah, and, and I think- the uh, the moral the moral story at the end of that, um, you know, because uh, for those who not to not to create any spoilers, but it's not any it would be no surprise that by the end of it, the fandoms recognises probably the greatest athlete in the world and would win decathlon gold medals and all the rest of it, breaking world records. Um, but the uh, the tribes people don't want to leave the jungle and and succeed because they know at their hearts that uh, they would be losing in the jungle against the phantom. I thought that, uh, yeah, I, th- yeah. I thought it was a really well-told story, actually. Yeah, yeah. No, it's all a brilliant point. It's nice and fun. It's clean. Um, it, it's, you know, stories of that era where you can read a comic and enjoy it and, you know, your kids can read it as well and don't have to worry about illegitimate children and stuff like that. <laughs> Um, what about the Condemned Island? We haven't heard about that one. Um, Duncan, have you have you read this one? I did, but I've, I've got a repercharge charge for Dan. I think on the Curse with No Name, I think you're being too hard and you, you're being too critical too early. Oh, God, there's going to be robots in the third part of your story, isn't there? <laughs> Dudley has done us a favour because the Curse with No Name is a story about the Phantom fighting uh, a pandemic. Yes. And what Dudley has shown us is the solution no one's thought of, which is find the robots and punch them in their photoelectric cells. <laughs> the solution that we're looking for. Uh, we're going to have Phantom fans charging 5G towers now. You know that. <laughs> <laughs> but the, uh, the Condemned Island, uh, Steve, um, I thought it was an interesting um, story and... Um, the art again was fantastic. This whole book is just beautiful pages of art, and and I will forgive any weakness in the story, given that they're old and they've been translated from the language that they're in, uh, and there were people filling a gap uh, at the time. And it, I think that the art holds up, and the stories are uh, are reasonable for for what mm-hmm. they were and, and, and enjoyable. I really enjoyed that panel at the bottom with the that silhouettes. Um, I think. For me, I enjoy Phantom's World because I enjoy the art from that era. So when I see, and, and I enjoy learning about artists from who have done the Phantom from different countries, different cultures, and having a look at their influence and stuff like that. So for me, this is a perfect series because it, 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 it intrigues me and adds to my knowledge and my interest levels of what I find. Um, and I know it's probably the same as you, probably Duncan. Is I know you uh, 
you know, you enjoy the, you know, the art and stuff like that. I can tell by what's behind you. And so it's probably very similar as you where you get to sample some of the, um, the, the, the Italian and European artists and stuff like that. Yeah. And these are beautiful examples. Some of the early fandoms world I, I sort of struggled through, whereas the, the more recent ones I've really enjoyed. Yeah. Well, very good. Well, you guys have really sold it to me. Um, well, I know I've already bought a copy, but I hadn't read it. So uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll very quickly over the next couple of days make sure I um, make sure I have a read. Well, Steve, I reckon um, from my own point of view, I reckon this Phantom's World number 12 is probably just about the best of this whole series. I think oh, they've wow. gone out on a real high point. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, my controversial opinion is that the Phantom's World got lost a little bit when the Queen Saba series came through. And uh, having half of books devoted to that, which became quite meandering, and for all the reasons we talked about on the podcast at the at the time, I did not enjoy as a Phantom story. Um, once they focused on what they almost said right at the beginning was their core belief, which was to re bring back old stories from from other countries. That's when it really hit the mark for me. So, mm. yeah. yeah, I really enjoy some of these uh, classic covers reused for the Phantoms world, I believe. Uh, this one, I think probably for the last four issues, they've actually been all covers that have been reused um, as well. So this one, uh, I believe, was originally a Team Phantom Men story. Mm-hmm. It's Filmang and Wolak, I believe it is. Uh, and then it was also used on an Italian comic that was released maybe 10 years ago as well. So, so for a lot of through readers this is the first time they've probably seen this cover but um so it, it's good because it's like it's a brilliant cover and so it's good to see you know everyone getting to enjoy it rather than just the people who know comics from outside of australia excellent so um all over the the three issues that we've reviewed today have been overwhelmingly positive and if you haven't got yourself a copy go out to your local news agency and pick them up or your local comic shop, or you can always subscribe direct from the publisher, direct from uh, through publications and, um, and get them that way. So not for Phantom's World. You've got to go to the shops Phantom's and get it. Mine didn't turn up oh, in the mail either, Duncan, and uh, I had to actually scramble and purchase it today for a last-minute read because I just assumed it was going to be in the pile and it wasn't there. Well, you got to... And I guess you haven't got your, your Phantom's Universe card as well then. I came along with it. Correct. That's so cool. just, I guess that's, that's a good point that you raise. So, um, do that. <laughs> um, especially at this time of the night, normally you're asleep by now. <laughs> I'm at the time of the, I really, really want to. <laughs> you fall asleep, you might just sleep the whole night out there and you You'll be an icicle if you sleep out there, Steve. <laughs> the, the heat is doing an all right job. It's taking the chill off, but it's still pretty icy out here. So the thing is, is that to, be able to buy this from the free website, you actually have to buy it. It's not part of your subscription. As most people know, when they said that they weren't going to be releasing any more of these, it wasn't part of people's subscription. It was only the giant size subscription. So if you haven't actually physically brought it from free, it wouldn't be coming in your mail. Um, and then, of course, the added bonus of buying it from free is that you get the universe card as well. And uh, apparently, the universe card that came with this one, um, or one of the last couple, are actually quite hard to find now. So, 
Um, yeah, so that's why some people didn't get this, is probably because of their subscription. Okay. Um, well, thank, well, first off, let's thank you. Uh, big thanks to Duncan for, for joining us tonight. You've, you've had a, a big day um, with yes. on, on the media, during the media rounds, at the, before the sun was up this morning, and the sun, the sun has long time gone down now. Um, <laughs> It's past midnight Victorian time for anyone who's, who wants to know. Um, so thank you very much, Duncan, for, for joining us. It's always a pleasure having you on. Thanks for including me, guys. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for coming. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, really appreciated your insights, Duncan. Thank you. Absolutely. I'm always, I always love having writers on the, um, not just fans, but, but writers on the, um, on, on the podcast and, and picking their brains a bit. And, um, and Duncan, you, you, you take both well both hats on the, on uh, on that one so we did our socials earlier um but just a reminder that if you want to check out all the the latest news um in regards to our favorite purple clad or blue clad if you're over in scandinavia um comic hero or check out our website at chroniclechamber.com and you can email us at chroniclechamber at gmail.com of course, if you listen to the podcast, you've probably subscribed to us on iTunes or apps such as Podbean, Player FM, CastBox, Listen Notes, and Spotify. If you don't subscribe to us, well, those are some ways that you can. So, Jermaine and Dan, once again, it's always been a pleasure. I hope you guys have enjoyed the night. Yeah, no, I really have um, really enjoyed just you know getting to know some of the stuff behind the story, um, talking to Phantom, it's always fun. Um, and yeah, it, it's been fun. There were some really good stories, some really fun stories. So, um, it's occasionally it's nice just to be able to focus on the fun of the phantom. So, um, yeah, it, it's been a lot of fun. Yeah. And yep. I can go, uh, really, really enjoy it. And, uh, and, and again, uh, the opportunity to have, uh, the author of one of the stories that, um, we reviewed yeah. and, uh, really find out that process. Uh, yeah, really appreciated that. So. Thank you very much again. Yeah, and of you. course, thank you, Mikhail, for um, for your review of the of the Phantom and issues. And just looking at the the um, footy scores, the the Giants got up over the Pies, so uh, that's a tip I lost. <laughs> yeah, I'm zero on two as well. Crazy. Happy days, happy days. <laughs> okay, so thank you everybody for listening. Um, it's been a big one, even though it's only just been three stories. We're probably <laughs> over the two and a half hour mark, well and truly by now. Um, but of course, we can't leave without saying happy fanoming. Happy fanoming. Happy fanoming. Fanoming. Stay safe. 500 years ago, he washed ashore the sole survivor of a shipwreck. And upon the skull of the man who killed his dad, he said, I'm mad, I must eradicate piracy. Injustice and cruelty And all my sons will follow me So evildoers will believe That this man cannot die The Phantom The ghost who walks The Phantom Enemies beware The Phantom's always there But you won't find the Phantom 